Hello, and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the rise of Kiyoshi. My name is Nobody, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal in the... I forgot all the words. It's Vivian. <laughs> hey, uh, meanwhile, it's like it's Flying Opera Company, I think it is, right? Yes, Flying Opera Company. Yeah, because like, it actually gets like name drop in these chapters. <laughs> yeah, it's... I think, yeah. I think it's maybe just because I haven't done the same one twice for you since we started the book. It, like, it hasn't stuck yet. Yeah, like, you got it right last week, and I think the first two, you were, like, trying to be, yeah, like... Yeah, the first two were different you were, things. Yeah, you were coming up with other stuff, and, like, at one point you also, like, had, like, the wrong name of the company or whatever. Oh, it was so wrong. It was... <laughs> I figured out how it went wrong, because I was, like, combining it and mashing it up with another thing, and then also using synonyms instead of the real words. Yeah. But. <laughs> so how's it going? Uh, you know, just waiting for Monday, I guess, at this point, to start my job and see how it goes. It's funny, because, like, every time I've talked about it with my mom, with, like, the fact that it's like, oh, at least it's, we finally know when the date starts, so I can finally start after waiting an extra month. She's like, yeah, and the worst thing would be if, you, like, you start the job and you just fucking hate it. And I'm like, yep. Yeah, well. <laughs> Especially, yeah, and, like, it's like, I was told about that I, they were accepting me for the position, like, in, like, the first week of August, basically. And it's now the first week of September, as of this, so it's like... If I had to wait literally an extra month for it to start and then get there, and I, by the end of the first week, be like, job fucking sucks. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> it would be not great. And I mean, obviously, the first few weeks is just going to be basically training anyway, so it's not like I can really get a full assumption of it, how it's going to go anyway. Yeah. I don't know. When I got my hair cut, at least, just to make it a little bit cleaner. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. It's not like I like got it like to really change or anything. Mostly just got a little just adjusted. Like the, my uh, hairdresser didn't even bother to actually charge me because it was really more just the bangs, if anything, and that's just free for existing customers. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's nice at least. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I mean, not a whole lot going on, I guess. Uh. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> mostly just main, been maintaining for a while, just being like, well, I guess I just sit here and wait, kind of feel. Play the same stuff I've been playing, except, I mean, I did start Elden Ring again, because I'm like, oh, I want to actually try a proper, like, magic build for once. And, well, rather, I just specify a, uh... They don't call them sorceries in Elden Ring. That's Dark Souls, is it? <laughs> the fuck do they call the sorceries equivalent? Because, like, they call the Miracles equivalent, aka Divine Magic, the Incantations. What the fuck do they call... I forget. It's basically the fucking, like, magic damage dealing things. Because, like, in all those, it's always, like, magic, fire, lightning, and sometimes dark is, like, elements and stuff. And so, like, <laughs> I never do that, like, the intelligence build, because for the most part, I mostly just, like, play, like, more of a, like a few, like, divine spells with, like, a melee weapon as the main way to go, but I'm, like, kind of trying to be more, like, yeah, I want to kind of do more, like, 70%, like, spellcasting and, like, 30%, and, like, having to actually hit occasionally, because you can only use some of these spells before you're holding out of FP, aka the magic bar, even though, because, like, ever since Dark Souls 3, it's like, well, you can allocate how many of the flasks you have for, re for healing HP and how much for FP, but it's, like, obviously you're cutting into one or the other by allocating them around. So it's not like you can, like, fully just do spellcasting, mostly. But basically with that, I was like, well, what's a good intelligence scaling weapon? 
and then I like basically immediately made the beeline to like a like mid game area to get the Moonvale katana. <laughs> Which is uh I don't think it's like the best or most highly rated katana at this point. I think people still say Rivers of Blood is still better. But like because uh, like katanas in that game are mostly like the bleed weapons. It's just that Moonvale was one that people knew a lot of back in when it first launched because it actually had to get nerfed because Moonvale was too good. <laughs> Basically, it like fires out beams of uh, like whenever you slash it, like as like its special skill that you can't change from it. So they're like, yeah, we have to tweak this a little bit and make it not as good. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's pretty funny just walking around as like being like, oh, my character looks a little like a wizard, but also they have a fucking giant sword, <laughs> or I guess a katana, not a giant sword. It's not like they're carrying two great swords like you can do in those games. Yeah. Elden Ring. Those games. (laughs) Those games continue to just be their own little thing, and it's still kind of interesting that nobody's really been able to properly, like, really copy that whole format and do it well. (laughs) Like some get close. Like I mean, I I did play. I didn't. I never played the sequel, but I did play Salt and Sanctuary, which was like basically the 2D uh, side-scrolling Souls-inspired game that I think was from like team that made the Dishwasher. Do you remember that old 360 game? It, I don't no, think I it, can't say that I do. I don't think people actually liked it. I want to see who actually made Salt and Sanctuary. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, it's Scott Studios. That's who made it. Uh. What else did they make? Obviously, aside from, like, some Sanctuary very too. Uh, games. Uh, yeah, the Dishwasher, Vampire Smile, Charlie Murder, the Dishwasher, Dead Samurai, I guess there are multiples of them, and also apparently a 2013 game called Time Viking, with, like, five exclamation points, and Space Raptor. <laughs> All as, like, one word. <laughs> oh, they're the, they're the I made a game with zombies in it, people. Ah, uh, well. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, they have, like, a lot of, like, really weird, uh, early stuff before they kind of started, like... I mean, they've always been, like, a little extra, I guess, but, like, Salt and Sanctuary is when, and it's followed Salt and Sanctuary Sacrifices when they were like, yeah, let's, like, maybe not go as hard, in a sense, <laughs> with that stuff. But it was also, yeah. like, it was, it was, it was a little bit more, like, uh, kind of like the, like, what's it called, uh, leaned a little bit more towards the Dark Souls aesthetic than, like, Metroidvania, whereas, like, Hollow Knight is, like, the reverse, I would say, because, like, Hollow Knight really only copies, like, having a, like, currency drop when you die, which you can easily just go get back anyway. But that's definitely more of a Metrovania, which is happening to have a Souls-like mechanic. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's mostly just because, like, I never actually finished Still in the Ring as a thing. <laughs> to be fair, that game is big and long, <laughs> because off are insane and decided to make one that was very big and very long. <laughs> Not to say that the other Souls games aren't that long or big, because like I think I think the original Dark Souls is close to like forty or fifty hours, but three I think it averages out to be like around seventy or eighty. I must admit I'm surprised. As much as you talked about it, I kind of assumed you had finished it. Oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, uh, cause like, well, the, the thing with Elden Ring also is that like, the map is, is deceptively small at first, and every time that you just start it, like, branching out more, the map just ke- keeps getting bigger and bigger, and then it's like, there's like, I think like a whole like, two large areas in that game you don't have to go to at all if you just want to see the main story. I guess technically three, I, you don't technically have to go to Caleb at all, I don't think. 
Because like, I think it's mostly that. Uh, Mountain of Giants, I think, is also kind of an optional area. Because again, it's like you mostly need to only kill like two of the main bosses in order to actually go try to start the end game. But I think there's like five or six of them that you can go to. And it's like, you can go to any of these. It's, like, you don't have to go to the terrible uh, meat rot dimension if you don't want to go there. But, you know, I don't want to say you should actually maybe go to Caleb because uh, there's, there's cool stuff in Caleb. It's just also, fuck Caleb. It's the worst. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a place that's basically just a big old poison font. Because, like, Scarlet Rot is basically their equivalent of, like, Toxic, which is not poison. Poison is poison. Toxic is, like, the faster poison, much like in Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Scarlet Rot is the Elder Ring's version of that. And it's the worst. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's uh there's a uh, many bosses in that game I've never fought. I'd never got anywhere close to fighting uh the lady with the artificial arm. Uh I always I I always have to like, second guess myself because like it's like no, it's not Melania, that's that's Trump's wife. Uh Mil- Millennia, Blade of Mikula, I think is her whole title. He's the one that they showed off in, like, the first trailer, who, like, attaches her prosthetic arm. She's, like, basically one of their hardest bosses they've ever made, because she has two faces. It just is relentless. Well, okay. Yeah. (laughs) It's a fun series, but also fuck it. (laughs) I don't mean to sound dismissive, I just, Mm -hmm. that is a thing I know nothing about. And you just yeah. said a lot of things about it that I don't have a reference for. <laughs> yeah, 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 I understand. Because, like, you've never played any of those games, so it's like, you know, I could I could talk about, like, just mechanics that are in all those, then it would just bounce off of you, just because you're like, I've not experienced this stuff. <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, obviously, that those games aren't for everybody, and, like, that's part of, like, the whole, like, yeah, these games are... Kind of not accessible in a weird way, because you know, obviously they don't have like a difficulty mode or anything. But I would I would still say that like the older ones are probably just harder, just because like they're a little bit more clunky. Because it's like yeah, it makes sense that like they they streamline stuff like that for the theme souls we make, just because it's like they took like a game for like two thousand nine and make it into twenty twenty. That's on oh, the PS five yes. release, right? Yeah, 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 that yeah. was one of the I, only PS5 releases. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I was just trying to remember like when the console launched, and it was like, yeah, it was during the first year of COVID. But yeah, but it's like it's still it like was before it, I went to Canada. Oh yeah, right. Because I mean, we started this show before you went to Canada, <laughs> and now we're back. With well, I mean, <laughs> we never we never left, but you technically left the country even if you didn't leave this, and now you're back. <laughs> It's kind of insane to think about that we're already close to two years on this. <laughs> I mean, it's like hell. Like we we started this shortly after Owl House season two A ended. <laughs> to put that in perspective. <laughs> I mean, that's like there's an argument to be made, but I don't feel like our show really started until the January because, you know, all we did was the preview episode yeah. before I moved. Yeah, I, I was kind of still counting that, but it's like, it's already still September. Like, we're we're four months away from that. <laughs> like, we, we did a few sessions, we, not a few sessions, we did a few episodes before I moved to Connecticut. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is, again, insane to think about that. It's like, yeah, we... We started, like, 
It was only like what, like four months after Lucid like Lumini became canon that we started the show, <laughs> and now that's been over two years since that happens. Since that episode aired. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't seem that weird to me. We've covered a lot of ground. I know. I think it's just because it was such a big thing back then. Because, again, it was like one of the few times actually you know, the cartoon explicitly be queer. <laughs> I guess is the thing. When most of them only get to allude to it, in a sense. I mean, it's like, especially when you compare it to, like, you know, re- the show related to the book we're reading of, like, how cute, uh, like, Legend of Korra, basically, was just like, yeah, they can, like, hold hands a little bit and look at, you- at each other, but they can't do anything beyond that. <laughs> Compared to how aggressively bisexual Kiyoshi comes across as. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that, that is a fair part of the reason we started the show, I think, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> I guess we never really yeah. even, like, fully 100% established that, like, it has to explicitly be a queer show. Because, I mean, like... It, it, I mean, it's just like how, like, there's a lot of stuff that's, like, heavily implied and, like, the, the creators basically clarified on that after with Infinity Train, but, like, if you just take Infinity Train on its own and don't do, like, a deeper, like, try to, like, understand more about what's going on or hinted at, especially with Lake, it's like, yeah, you probably wouldn't really catch on that this actually has a queer narrative hook to it. Well, you know, it's... I mean, when you brought up Infinity Train... Part of the reason I was cool with doing it is specifically because I had heard that there were, like, canon queer characters in the fourth season. Yeah, and, and then... so while I'm happy we did it, like, I yeah. don't know if that's serious necessarily true. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah, like, like, aside, it's like, Mingi and Ryan really didn't come across like that to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, again, I, my refrain throughout that entire book was like, wow, these guys should probably get better friends, like, different friends, and stop actually talking to each other as much, or stop trying to cling to this, and pretending everything's fine. I Meet mean, other people. Got they got there, it's just that along the way, it's like, they should still also see other people, maybe, and also make it more friends, <laughs> besides just to be with them. <laughs> I don't know. You don't have to stick together with just the one person that you knew just for a long time, just because, like, that's what you know. Sometimes it's not the greatest solution. But yeah, but yeah. It was it was really because like even like not having like I had heard that, but also I definitely had heard about Lake in general. Like I mean, I was doing everything in my power to not say the name Lake until they said it in the show. And it's like still felt a little bit bad. Like I'm not choosing their chosen name, but we're not there yet. So yeah, it's a bit of a weird case. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, also like I mean. We covered an episode of Hey Arnold and an episode of Raggedy Ann and Andy. I feel like those are, like, some of the most cis-head shows around. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was a weird thing. Yeah, that was that was a special. <laughs> and also, to be fair, there's, like, there's some queer uh, interpretations of characters from Hey Arnold, but, like, in the show itself, not so much. <laughs> I think it's I only... Mean... <laughs> hmm? <laughs> You could. Uh, there's some things to be said about Raggedy Ann and Andy. Is there? <laughs> I'm just saying he wanted everyone to have his gloop stick. <laughs> that's that's more of you taking something in the sh- in the case of like a kids show and turning into a dirty thing. That's not. <laughs> that's not like the. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> That's not like him in fiction being like, yeah, I want to be with all the girls and all the boys. It's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's different. <laughs> he wants to literally freeze the world in place. <laughs> That's more super villainy <laughs> than being read as homosexual, <laughs> at least to me. Um, I mean, he's a pretty queer-coded villain when you get down to it. I'm only evil because I never knew I could be anything else. I never <laughs> even tried to be good. Uh... <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, I haven't thought anything about that special since we did that episode. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope I mean, you picked what you're doing for this Christmas. Cause... Oh, definitely not. No, <laughs> I mean we were we were talking about there for a bit of like is, if it would be even be something we'd want to do again. I guess I would have to actually think about that now. <laughs> like, I think it, it's interesting. Yeah, cause, it is definitely like, a little fun thing. The... Yeah. The, the 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 I guess the nature of it, just picking a random, more or less standalone Christmas episode, is fascinating to me because there have been mm. so many of those that are all over the place. Yeah, and like again, like a lot of them are like shows we grew up with because like we grew mm. up in the '90s. Every '90s show had like holiday specials. <laughs> and I am saying Christmas, but you know. Yeah, like we. we... That's that's just part of the problem. It's like it's again. It's like something I remember even as a kid being like, "Oh, they made a Christmas and a Hanukkah special for Rugrats," and it's like, "Well, that's neat." But at the same time, I was like, "That was me as a dumb kid not realizing that like obviously Tommy's grandparents are like you know Jewish. <laughs> like <laughs> he's Christian on his dad's side and Jewish on his mom's side. Makes sense <laughs> in retrospect as an adult. As a kid, I was like, "How can Tommy be celebrating both?" Huh? <laughs> But at the same time, like, a friend of mine celebrates both because his wife is Jewish, and he's Christian, so he celebrates both Hanukkah and Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but this, I remember back as a kid being like, oh, they did this, and like, again, as an adult, makes sense, and also it's like, well, I mean, even back then, I guess, 90s Nickelodeon wanted to at least, like, be a little bit more inclusive, I guess, which Nickelodeon currently is a little weird with that. <laughs> In some places, <laughs> I mean, again, like, hey, get on them to make like Bill and Lil's mom be like a single mom in the <laughs> current Rugrats reboot. I guess, I guess, I don't even remember the dad's name. Uh, <laughs> I guess, fuck that guy. <laughs> eh, I mean, he was no good anyway. Uh, I'm trying to remember anything about him really. I mean, I just remember him being like a little bit meek to his like his like strong like buff wife and that doll really <laughs> that's kind of my point if you don't remember him he's not a good character yeah i guess i mean i, I guess also like even i say that and mean was like well i mean chucky also had just like a single dad for a couple of years because his mom passed away shortly after he was born but then they did like that first or second movie where uh he met his like now current wife and therefore chucky has a stepmom and a stepsister mm-hmm <laughs> Which, uh, I liked how, like, they were trying to keep that, like, a big frickin' secret <laughs> when that movie released, and then meanwhile, like, around the same time the movie's releasing, they were like, oh yeah, we're gonna make more seasons of Rugrats, and also Kimmy's here, and it's like, hmm, I wonder what happens in that movie, guys. <laughs> I wonder what <laughs> secrets you're keeping about that film. Potentially, that Chucky gets a new mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's also, like, one of those few cases I remember as a kid growing up that there actually was a show where, like, a kid didn't have both parents. Like, they have a full entire episode about, like, uh... I think his dad's name is Charles, right? I think so? 
Which I think, no, his name is Chaz, because Chucky's actual name is Charles. Everybody just calls him Chucky. Yeah, Chaz has to actually, like, talk to Chucky about how his mom passed away, and, like, that's, like, the braces of an entire, like, Mother's Day episode, I think, of, like, yeah, Chucky's mom passed away. Ugh. What? You didn't watch the Batman? Like... No, I've established I'm not a DC. I'm not a DC. I've never been a DC person. Like even like the little bits that I was actually interested in Marvel stuff, I never actually stuck around with any Marvel stuff really. And it's like I just never really was a DC person. Like I watched like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, but like that's kind of it. And like I played Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. No, not uh, not Arkham City. Uh, what was the second one? Uh, City, yes. Oh, what was the third one then? Night. Night, right, okay. I was, like, trying to think of, like, the escalation of, like, Asylum to City to, like, well, it's not Arkham World, because obviously they don't have, I mean, uh, to be fair, the DC Universe is kind of a prison world in a sense, but... I mean, to be, <laughs> like, when you think about it, the world is a prison. Y- yeah, I, I guess we are stuck here. <laughs> but yeah, but, like, I was, like, trying to be, like, no, they, the Rockstar wouldn't, no, Rock, not Rockstar, Rock City would not make the game called Arkham World. <laughs> I don't know, I guess I Arkham Knight just, Arkham Knight just doesn't seem like it, like, follows with the rest. Like, obviously it has Arkham in its name, but it's like, I guess, again, it's like going from Asylum to City, it's like I would expect an escalation again. <laughs> I mean, considering that well, they basically just suctioned off a part of Arkham because of all those prisoners that had escaped, and it's like, well, I guess we'll just keep them in here and just, this is fine, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, turns out, no, it's not fine to just let a bunch of these people with superpowers just go around the part of a city. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, most of them were not superpowered individuals. Okay, I guess, yeah, they, they 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 go a little bit like more realistic in those Arkham games, I guess. Besides, like Killer Croc and Sam. Yeah, I no, mean, not Sandman. Sandman, Spider Man. Who's uh, Solomon Grundy, the, the goop guy? <laughs> yeah, like Grundy, Ivy, and arguably uh, yeah. Freeze. But even Freeze is, Freeze, like, Freeze is more technology. Super, yeah, guy. he's more. Know. He's just super science, really. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I guess like he, yeah, Poison Ivy, because like literally her skin is toxic to people. <laughs> Not most of the time. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't. I guess it depends. But she does like control plants. Like that's basically just a yeah. standard thing well, for. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not like how, like, like because in, in those games, Bane just has, like, super droid or something, right? He's not, like, well, a big cult. Well, always Bane's deal. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, that's that's actual Bane's deal and not Bane from uh, Dark Knight Rises. I was, again, trying to think of all these titles. <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot about that one. Uh, yeah, where no, he's that just wasn't Bane, that was just some guy. Yeah, that was just some guy talking like he was holding a cup to his face. <laughs> that was uh, that was Mad Max at the beginning of the movie where he had the face, face cage on. <laughs> I think I also have not watched the whole Mad Max. <laughs> well, that's a shame. Fury yeah, that's is not... fantastic. That's why I keep hearing. Nope, I'm... sorry, we're not talking about this. Uh, oh, yeah, nope. yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, strikes. Fury Road is a movie. That I have watched the end. <laughs> <laughs> Rise of the Kyoshi is a book that we are currently reading, and that's the end. Okay, bye, yeah. everybody. <laughs> anyway, you can find can us def- on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, if we had ever done like an April Fool's thing, we definitely would have done that. <laughs> hmm? If we had ever decided to do like an April Fool's joke, we would have definitely done that, like an episode just being like something akin to that, and the episode would have been like five minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Honestly, just, for an we... April Fool's joke, I'm tempted to just find the straightest show possible. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's like do some, an episode of that. Yeah, it's either like a five minute thing, or it's like again, it looks like it's a normal length one, but we just don't actually acknowledge the fact that we're covering something entirely unrelated and different. Just pretend that's always been the deal. <laughs> <laughs> like today and how I met your mother. Uh, bad shit happened oh, because yeah. Barney oh, Simpson sucks. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's like that fucking show where like that entire cast. Is... Like, I get that the point of Seinfeld is that like the entire cast sucks, but like, good lord, how many of ever that cast fucking sucks <laughs> so hard. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess a little less so. Marshall and his wife, whose name is escaping me, Lily. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even the two of them kind of suck. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, the actor, what's his name? He wrote some fairly okay kids' books. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I meant more like in that, like, their characters in the show, like, they have a lot of, like... Oh, I see. Yeah, not not the people themselves, like, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I say that, and meanwhile, it's like, the guy who played Barney sucks, as we know, uh, Phil Dr. Carrot, he absolutely sucks, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, that show is, like, really just wants to just... God, I just fucking hate that movie so much. She's such a little shit. Like, it's like, that that show could have had a decent ending if they were just like, hey, kids, it doesn't matter that your mom's passed away because, well, I mean, it does matter, but what mattered more was, like, the journey for me finding her. But then it just becomes, also, hey, I still want to fuck Robin, by the way. <laughs> and it's like, oh, the fucking lord, why, Ted, why can't you just fucking stop <laughs> hey kids sit down on the couch and let me tell you the intimate details of every sexual encounter i had for eight years yeah yeah <laughs> and barely mention your mom at all along the way <laughs> all to tell you i still want to fuck robin by the way <laughs> like yeah and i just remember <laughs> that bob saget voices him in the future and that that's a shame poor bob saget at least, Bob Saget wasn't an asshole, right? I mean, like, that's gonna be up to your interpretation. Uh, like, an asshole? Yes, almost certainly, but not necessarily a bad guy, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. He was a shock comedian, so... Oh, right, yeah. I mean, he did run America's Funny Sound videos for the, for the longest time, too, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but that was the sanitized version of him after a full house. Like you watch his actual stand up and it's oh, it's okay. kind of horrifying a lot of yeah, the time. I've I've never seen that. I literally I really only knew him from AFB and Full House growing up and everything. Yeah, I have no idea how he got the full house gig after seeing his stand up like mm. <laughs> Yeah. Don't get me wrong, he's a good comedian, just like out there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking of shows that just keep bringing back, too, it's like, geez, they did bring back that full house uh, <laughs> attempt to try to, like, continue that, and nobody cared about that at all, huh? Well, the thing is, it was bad. <laughs> this... Yeah, like, most things they try to bring back is, like, a reboot or a continuation. It's just bad. I did watch the first season, because Full House was a show that I watched a lot when I was a young child, because that was what was on public access TV in Germany, and, uh, boy, they really just... I mean, I guess they took the lessons of the original show and moving forward, in that Stephanie is 
always wrong no matter what, and God will always punish her. <laughs> I mean, you were even telling me the other day about like being like, hey, everybody, if you don't want to deal with Futurama making COVID jokes, you should skip this week's episode. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Uh, I've heard... It was Aurora. Oh, was it Aurora? I thought it was you. Yeah, okay. But yeah, still, like, I've heard, like, nothing good about that Futurama revival, and it's, like, the fourth time they brought back Futurama. It's like, just stop. You don't no, have to keep doing I this. No, because it struck work. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Also, yeah, don't watch it because of that, but also don't watch it because they're making bad COVID jokes that are out of date, much like the Animaniacs making those Trump jokes all the time. Right. Ooh, um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump into my chapter because <laughs> we keep getting onto this stuff that we're not supposed to be talking about. Yeah. And, like, I don't see a way to avoid it because it's happened twice now, even after we've called it out. So. <laughs> True. <sighs> yeah. Uh, chapter. Um, my chapter this week is the iceberg. It's a big chapter. Uh, for those who are watching along with us, um, watching along last, yes, yes, it's a book. Uh, yeah, you can watch a book. You've never watched a book before. No, because you either listen to a book or you read a book, or you get an e-copy of it. And you just set it to auto-scroll, and you watch it. Oh, I I can't do that. I need to scroll myself when it comes to books, or flip the page myself. <laughs> I can't have it go automatically. I can't. Because, like, at that point, I'm, like, more distracted focusing on that and being like, I gotta read faster so I get there before it scrolls automatically. But, yeah, no. I've, I've never would describe watching a book. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, last time around, uh, basically, Kelsong said that uh blah 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 kiyoshi you might be the avatar and the way we found yun was super unconventional so we're not super sure it's him and then yun asked uh, kiyoshi to go with him on this diplomatic mission to talk to the pirates so the iceberg um kiyoshi has a nightmare uh she re is vaguely remembering her parents selling her when she was a kid uh screams about hating them a lot you know how it is and then uh she wakes up because she is on the back of a sky bison or a flying bison, or I don't remember what these things are called. I think I think uh, it's sky bison. I think that's the actual like species with them. I think it's sky bison. It's something. Although like I feel that. like there's also a few times early in Last Airbender where Aang says flying bison. No, no, no the Avatar Wiki says flying bison, but also known as sky bison or air bison. Okay, they're interchangeable. Okay, well, it's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those. It's all, it's a bison. Um, <laughs> you know what the bison does in this series. <laughs> Yeah, mm -hmm. and they're all over the place because they haven't died out yet. <laughs> well, they didn't die yet. They weren't technically all wiped out. There's still a few that are still alive that survived the, th the Hundred Year War, but still. <laughs> uh, four specimens in captivity isn't really... <laughs> they, they, there's, like, more of them around. That, and Oh, yeah, you haven't seen Book 3 of Okori. Yeah, there's more of them around in that time. Or no, not Book 4. Book 4 is when there's some more because of the three-year time skip between Book 3 and 4. Yeah, there's a, there's a few more than just like four or so. Mm -hmm. I'll believe it when I see it, which is never because I won't. So, <laughs> <laughs> unless we decide to go loop around and watch the watch core for the show once the strikes are over, potentially, <laughs> maybe we're not sure. Cora's mm, got. I don't pro know if you can make me do that. Cora's got some problems, and most of them are the fact that the first part of Cora is not good. <laughs> like a good fifty percent of Cora is not great. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that. Um, anyway, it gets good uh, in the so... latter half, at least. Hmm? It gets good in the latter half. 
It's got to get through two bad book, bad seasons. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is why would we do that? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's 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 our show. We can be watching good things, slash reading good things. Okay, um, what what if we did just Cora's book in three and four? <laughs> maybe that would just be skip. weird for our listeners, but maybe. <laughs> But at the same time, do you really need to know anything that happens in books one or two, especially book one? <laughs> I wouldn't know. I haven't seen three and four. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, my is dead. <laughs> so he doesn't come back. Runelock's dead. He doesn't come back. They get referenced, but they're not back. Anyway, um, <laughs> so Kiyoshi wakes up from this nightmare, she's falling off the bison, and uh, Yon and Rangi have to, like, pull her back in to the saddle, on account of she's gigantic, and they are small. Um, <laughs> Kelsong is steering the bison. Uh, right now, it is Kiyoshi and Yon and Rangi in the back of this bison while Kelsong flies, and everyone else is on a boat far below which Kelsong is basically steering by using airbending to fill the sails, so he is very good at this because that is a heck of a range. Um, yeah, he's up at the bison. How is he managing to be the one that's also directing the boat? Shouldn't he be on the boat? No, he's he's flying the bison and he's steering the boat. I feel uh, like he should be doing one or the other. <laughs> you need you some, think. If, You can get another airbender to come by for this if you need somebody to push the boat, or you could just have the airbender you have push the boat while somebody else hopefully knows how to control the bison. But also at the same time, the bison can do its own thing. The bison is smart. It understands words. It doesn't necessarily yeah, need but isn't it like specifically it. his bison? Isn't that how this works? Well, yeah, because like all the airbenders have like their partner bison that they get when yeah. they're like ten or whatever. But like, still, if you need two people, just get another airbender. <laughs> Kel Song <laughs> yeah. is like a high-ranking dude in the air nomads. He can get an intern for a weekend. <laughs> yeah, but he's really good at this. He doesn't need an intern. <laughs> just seems like it'd be easier if he had another guy with him to do yeah. the boat. <laughs> anyway, um. So Kyoshi is now in the outfit that she wears in the show. She doesn't have the the headpiece or the bracers or the makeup yet, but the, the like the green outfit with the long tails and all that's that's what she's wearing here. Jonju gave it to her for this meeting and he like it's super fancy. It's way too much for her. Uh and he definitely didn't hide it from the other servants, so they all kind of hate her now because the Avatar likes her and she's getting special presents that should be way beyond her like ability to afford. Her, her special present is literally to make sure she doesn't die. <laughs> well, I mean a little bit. Because yes, the, the jacket of this outfit is laden with chainmail, but chainmail's not going to do a lot when you have benders in the mix, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, no, like, they, they, just, they specifically say it's like, it's enough to like stop a knife that somebody's going to just shank you with or something, but it's like, it's still better than her just being in like, servant outfit or whatever. But it's like, they, but, the other people should know that this is like, still a dangerous mission, you probably want something, and it's like, you're not just going to bring Kyoshi along and just have her there in like a tunic or something. Yeah. <laughs> At any rate, uh, Kyoshi is currently about 16, and Jianju has given her this outfit. She will wear outfits that look like this for the rest of her life, because that is how <laughs> avatars work. <laughs> oh yeah, like, they might make some adjustments to it over time, but it's like, I mean, Aang wears, like, orange and yellow his entire mm -hmm, life. Mm -hmm. But also, he's an Aero Nomad, that makes sense. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, so Kiyoshi asks why they're all up here and not on the boat, and Yon says that he insisted about this because he needed some time for himself, and so he basically demanded it using his avatar powers. Uh, Kalsong points out that, like, yeah, okay, yes, I know Jeonju is kind of a helicopter mom, but the reason for that is because when Heiron and Kelsong and Jeonju were, like, traveling with Kuruk, they weren't positive influences, so he feels like maybe it's his fault that Kuruk went bad. Can, can you explain helicopter mom to me? Because I've not ever heard that term. Uh, it is a parent who is always close at hand, who never lets the child oh, out of their okay. sight, and insists on their safety to the degree that it impinges on the child's ability to have okay. freedom and fun. Makes sense. But also maybe they should have actually done that with Kuruk, because uh, Kuruk did not learn any of the good lessons from them. <laughs> well, they did, and that's what happens. Like, these three were his companions when he was running around doing the Avatar thing. So really, all of them are the blame for this. <laughs> that is what they think, yes. Um, They're right. <laughs> not, just, not just that Kurok sucks, all of them suck. <laughs> uh, Kelsong also mentions here that uh, it used to be a tradition for the Avatar to travel all over the world with a few companions. And, like... It's not anymore, and I think that is mostly because Jeonju wanted to have the Avatar sealed up in the house for political gain, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part of it is also, like, I feel like that's more implied, like, the Avatar traditionally would travel around once they actually have all the bending forms mastered, whereas, like, they're they're intentionally still trying to keep the secret that Yoon can only earthbend. If he's, like, out well, and about as much, especially on the zone, it's like, that might just leak easily if he's not being watched much i mean maybe i'm reading into it a little bit but this is very much the way i feel it went down with ang and from what little i've seen of Korra is they get to they have the freedom to go where they need to go like yeah yes, i mean, I mean Korra like it, has mentors and teachers yeah. but she can just leave like i mean i feel like this is maybe like a slight reference to how it will be in the future because like to be fair ang traveled around because he literally had to find masters of the other elements and also because he was a fugitive, literally yeah. being hunted for a hundred years. That certainly helps. Cora's case, it's like, yeah, she travels around to, like, deal with, like, each of the issues during each book. But, like, I mean, most, like, pretty much all of book one is in Republic City. And... Well, sure, because they wanted to show off the, the new setting with yeah. the lunch season they were getting. Which makes sense, yeah. And then, like, book, book three is, like, the most that they're actually, like, really on the road. But even then, they spend most of the time in, like, Zalfu and, like the Earth Kingdom and stuff, and, like, Book 4 is kind of also, again, mostly Republic City. Like, Book five, book 2 is, like, when they mostly deal with, like, the, uh... What's the... Uh, I'm trying to remember the pole that Sokka and Katara are from, the one that's, like, a little bit more empowered. Yeah, like, that's mostly dealing with, like, the South Pole, even if the North Pole is there fucking things up for them. So it's, like, it's really more just, like, oh, this is, like, the current political situation. They're not, like, just traveling around, like, Aang and his friends did necessarily, because they're, yeah. like, literally, like, we are fugitives, and also we need to find three people who can actually teach this guy stuff. Yeah, I don't know why. Somehow I get the sense that Ong's sort of traveling around and finding masters is a little more typical, so that's kind of what I'm interpreting here, but that's I, I, just my interpretation. I, I guess I don't think it is, because, again, like, at that point, like... Most people, like most of the world, is controlled by the Fire Nation, so it's like it makes it hard for them to find anybody who can actually teach them. Especially because, like, they're like, okay, well, we know there's water bending masters in the North Pole, but there's none in the South because everybody's off at war. And even then, I don't think it's implied that any of them really do water bend any of those guys. Because, like, 
I don't think pretty sure Katara's dad is an offender. I think it's Not just her literally. No. Yeah, I think she's like I think she's literally described as being like the last bender in the south. I believe so, that is correct, yes. Yeah, which is why they're like, okay, well we go north and then like after that it's like we'll go around the Earth Kingdom because we haven't been there and like they're like literally like we have no fucking idea what we're gonna do from fire. Who fucking knows? <laughs> Most of those people want him dead. <laughs> um yeah, so yeah. Kyoshi kind of like mutters about how Kurt was maybe not a good dude, and Rangi sort of lays into her about criticizing Yun's past life because every action of an avatar is meaningful and destiny-laden, and she's, like, hitting Kiyoshi in the shoulder here, which a couple chapters from now she's really gonna regret. Um, <laughs> that's all Rangi really has done. She's just accidentally threatened the avatar in the sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they fly south for a good while, and eventually they get to their destination, which is a big iceberg, a huge iceberg, almost as big as Yokoya. And uh, there's like a flat area on top where there is a camp set up, and there is no pirate ships, because basically they're negotiating on even terms, which is to say no warships for the pirates and no earth for the Avatar, which is only a compromise you make if you know that the Avatar cannot waterbend. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, well, I think it's because, like, traditionally each... Actually, like, typically, I'd say the Avatar is strongest with their, like, you know, native elements in a sense. So it's like, okay, we gotta at least make sure Yun doesn't have her. Because, like, they could literally put him in, like, an area where there's no access to, like, water or earth. You still can't really do anything about not letting him access to air and fire if you can actually do all four. This is fair. Unless you put him in the vacuum of space, but I don't think they have the technology to do that. <laughs> <laughs> At which point, I feel like you have other more depressing concerns like you suffocating in the vacuum of space. <laughs> I wonder if a chunk of moonstone could mess with bending like kryptonite, since bending hmm. is affected by the phases of the moon. That's a good question, because the only time we really actually deal with anything like that is when Saka makes his sword out of, like, the meteor. Because, <laughs> like... Yeah, obviously we're pretty far from space travel, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, this... I have questions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this 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 setting basically doesn't evolve, technologically speaking, for a long time. <laughs> and over the course of, like, over 10,000 years, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> and they just, they don't seem like they progress past, like, oh, okay, eventually we figure out cars. So it's like, yeah, they might get there, like, a couple hundred years after cars are dead, maybe. Well, I mean, to be fair, when the Industrial Revolution hits, it hits hard. True. Yeah. That's why, they, <laughs> like, that's why, like, people were, like, at first being like, oh, it's so realistic that the world changes so much. And it's like, not really, because now the Fire Nation isn't just making weapons of war. They can actually work together mm -hmm. with the other nations and like actually improve things and that's why yeah. they obviously get from where they current where they previously were to like kind of like roaring 20s or so kind of america in a sense <laughs> at any rate uh that they know that tagaka i'm sorry I, every time i want to switch the k and the g it's yeah it definitely sounds like it would be takaka or something like that right mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah it, it does and i don't I'm doing my best. Um, anyway, everyone knows that she is a waterbender. She comes from a long, famous line of waterbenders. So, like, it's not super a compromise, but no, they'll take it, it really I guess. Isn't. It really isn't. <laughs> um, yeah, they land, and the ship comes in, and um, there's actually a couple boats, apparently, because Jeonju steps out of the lead ship. So, I don't know how many there are, but 
I guess Kelsong was steering a bunch of boats at the same time. He's very good at this. <laughs> I'm sure they just. Well, we know, we know we know they aren't firing navy ships. So then no, they're specifically sailing ships that Kelsong was pushing with yeah. wind. And I yeah, I guess the fire navy would have steam powered boats at this point, just like they do at the time of Last Airbender, because there is a navy. Like obviously they're not borrowing an airbender all the time to move a boat <laughs> around if they have a navy. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, Jianju and Heiron get off the boat along with another person who, sorry, who Kyoshi basically does not know. Um, this is Sifu Amak, who is uh, Yun's waterbending tutor, ostensibly, but he's nowhere near that. So like, don't even worry about it. He's just kind of around sometimes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a little strange they haven't like he, like mentioned this guy at all, and like I'm trying to. I mean, do we get the sense that this guy would have also trained Kuruk? Not that he necessarily would have really needed, because obviously he was born into the Warden uh, tribes, so the Wardermanning would have been his primary I... element. I don't think that that's necessary. Like, we don't have any idea, really. But we do know that this Amok guy is an assassin, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they make that pretty much apparent of like, yeah, this guy is absolutely a murderer, dude. <laughs> To yeah, see um, the only real backstory we get on him is that he's been working for a prince in Ba Sing Se, who managed to move up seven spaces along the line of succession in the past ten years. Hmm. So he's definitely got a mock assassinating princes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at Kuruk's entry just to see. It does not list a mock under his allies. Fair enough. Which is interesting that it actually lists Aang, but it's like, well, I guess it makes sense because Kurt talked to Aang like twice. <laughs> but yeah, no, it only lists Kelsang, Zhang yeah. uh, and Heiron. It doesn't list Amok at all. Fair enough. Um, so Amok is like dressed up as an earthbender. He's He's got the special clothing, and he's done his hair in the style. He's taken out all his piercings, and... He's even got a special kind of goop that he drips into his eyes to change his eye color so he doesn't have uh, waterbender eyes, because no waterbenders are allowed at this negotiation except for Tagaka, and I guess, in theory, the Avatar, you know? Um, so yes, they are doing an espionage. Um, Kyoshi's not, like, thrilled about this, and she also doesn't feel like she belongs here, but... She knows the secret now, so it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, too, too bad, Kyoshi. Now you know you can't leave. <laughs> but yes, uh, so a bunch of ships show up, and they, they're they just long enough to drop off Tagaka and her crew, and then they take off again. Um, she's, like, we don't get a great description of her, but she is, quote, a decidedly unremarkable middle-aged woman, so... Lovely, thanks. Um, <laughs> Just a lady in her 40s. <laughs> yeah, the only special thing about her is her sword, which she apparently took from the Admiral of Ba Sing Se after she killed him, and then, yeah, she just kept his sword. Uh, yeah, I like I like how they phrase it as, like, it's a position that used to be filled un until she came along, <laughs> and now yeah. it's not. <laughs> it's like... It's like I, I forget if they actually do specify that she didn't kill him, but it's like even if not, the subtext there of like, yeah, she she killed this guy. <laughs> uh, the line is, it was less certain what she had done with his body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like that's absolutely she killed this kid, this dude. That's, that's a pretty good hint. Yeah, 
Like, I guess maybe he just decided to turn pirate and he could be hiding in a crew somewhere, but that seems yeah. less likely. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a, he had a cushy job, why would he return to piracy? <laughs> also, interesting note, Admiral is typically a naval role, so that does kind of indicate that the Earth Kingdom had a navy at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is interesting, because, like, the Earth Kingdom, I guess they would have needed at least something to cover their borders, because the Earth Kingdom is, like, the largest of the countries, or nation driver. <laughs> but, like, we never really get the hint of that in any of the shows, necessarily. Like, we only, we only really know that, like, the Fire Nation has a navy because they're, the te- like, the technological ones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes, um, so the pirates show up, and the first thing Tagaka says is that she didn't realize they were going to be bringing so much muscle, and specifically pointing out Kiyoshi, because Kiyoshi is so tall, she is basically a crow's <laughs> nest on a ship all by herself. Um, again, I like how, I like I how just... every week somehow Kiyoshi is like two inches taller than before. They thought I was the <laughs> I know, right? It's fantastic. Eventually Kiyoshi's going to be like 18 feet tall. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with six five ish, but yeah, she's she's she tall. Um, and again, she's only sixteen. She has room to grow. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, Ju is pretty unhappy that Kiyoshi drew attention because, like, again, this is the negotiation for the stopping of the raids. Like, you don't want some random servant girl to be the first thing that gets brought up, but. Yung gives, like, a fancy introduction, blah blah blah, he's talking about her victory, congratulating her, and he tries to flatter her a little bit, which she does like. She The quote she gives here is that this one studies like Yang Chen and flatters like Kurok, so either she knew both previous avatars, which she might have, because Kurok well, died in his 30s, so if she's in her 40s, she would have been, like, 10 when Yang Chen was still around. Yeah, I guess, I guess yeah, you know, like, Yang Chen might have been, like, near the end of... Sorry, Yang Chen was a woman, right? Yeah, yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, because she's the Earth Avatar who's like, yeah, you still have to kill that guy to hang. Yeah, like... Uh, Airbender? Yeah, Airbender, yeah. Uh, I think it's Avatar, yeah, whatever. But yeah, but, like, uh, yeah, like, she might have still been around when, like, she was a kid. So that she might have actually still at least heard of her, even if she never met her directly, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, um, so she then invites the, uh, I guess I'm going to say Avatar Party, because they're not a team. Not at all. No, definitely to, not. Uh, <laughs> Unteam Avatar. <laughs> uh, it's a big fancy dinner, um, just ridiculously luxurious considering it's on an iceberg in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Tagaka and Yun are at the head of the table, they're doing their thing, and um, they're just kind of having a really fancy dinner. We get a brief description of the pirate group, the Fifth Nation. They talk about how they're, uh, I'm going to quote this again, an egalitarian outfit that disregarded the boundaries between the elements, which is solid. Like, in theory, this is a great idea. It's just that uh, they're pirates and they're constantly like kidnapping people to sell yeah. them. Is the thing. It's like it's like pro diverse con still pirates. <laughs> <laughs> no nation is superior, and under the rule of their enlightened captain, any adventurer or bender could join them in harmony, regardless of origin. Let's kidnap some villagers to sell. <laughs> Yay! Let's engage in slavery. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
stuff. So it's it's a weird and awkward dinner, but Yun is like just eating everything he can get his hands on. He <laughs> eats like Kirby basically, and Tagaka loves this. She's having a blast feeding him as much as she possibly can. Um, because she's vaguely worried about him being poisoned, considering the sheer volume of food he is eating. But no one else seems bothered by this. Um, and then they play Pai Show because that is what Yun is famous for. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's like, starts... that's like the primary, like, activity, like, hobby or, like, uh, like, recreational activity people do in this setting, to be fair. It's not, like, I get that it is Yoon's specialty, but it's like, that's really what people do <laughs> if they have free time in this setting. <laughs> I mean, uh, yes, you're right. But also, the first thing they do is set Yoon up playing three people at the same time. So... <laughs> This this feels like they're trying to flatter him a little bit. Uh, anyway, while this is happening, Kyoshi and Rangi have a silent conversation. They're not talking, but they're kind of pointing at each other, and they realize that the servants who are dealing with this dinner are, in fact, the Earth Kingdom citizens. They're, like... They're just wearing peasants' clothes and basically doing the job like they're afraid for their lives. So, there you go. Uh, Kyoshi kind of is mad because she figures that Yun and Rangi figured this out ages ago and she's just now realizing it, so she thinks she's entirely too inobservant to be here. And, um, yeah, again, it's just a quiet conversation with no words. And then Yun wins all three Pai Show matches. Um, people were betting on this a lot. And then after Takaga's a little drunk now, she's been drinking, and this is when we are going to get into the meat of this chapter. Which is when she starts asking about uh, the Avatar's um, uh, 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 entourage, for lack of a better word. Because she thought uh, they were here to kill her on account of... Uh, mm -hmm. They brought a lot of people here. Um, a lot of people with sketchy histories. <laughs> yeah, Yun tries to play off like how many of them there are, but Tagaka really doesn't care how many people they are. It's just specifically that Jeonju, Heron, and Kelsong are here. Which Yona's confused about because these are his masters. Like, obviously, you know the masters. But uh, the thing is, is that these guys are pretty famous war criminals. Like, they did super monster stuff, apparently, according to Tagaka. And the, the, the kids who live in this house just managed to stay insulated from that knowledge on account of they were being fed the party line this whole time. <laughs> um, oh no <laughs> yeah most specifically she talks about um, Jeonju killing 5,000 yellowneck soldiers by burying them alive uh, <laughs> you know as this one does right <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. that's not great um, it still kind of surprised me just how early into this book they're like hey this ain't your kids avatar I know it says left everybody on it but expect a lot of Murder. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was about to say yeah. fucking a murder. I don't think there's fucking that goes on in this book. Although, I don't know. To be fair. I don't remember any, but that doesn't mean it's not here. I would be surprised since she is 16. But yeah. then again, there are other characters who are not, you know? Yeah. It is still a Nickelodeon book, even if it's more mature. <laughs> yeah, like, even if, like, actual murder happens, it's like, it's still a Nickelodeon thing. Yeah. You probably don't want to describe it as, like, and then the Avatar went down on this person. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
Again, narrator voice. Vivian has never engaged in any sexual activity with a person. <laughs> I don't know. What do people do with their... I don't know. Like, if I know. Uh, fuck is exactly right. Yes, you got it in one. I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, Chunju tries to play it off a little bit. He talks about, like, you know, the uh, rumors from the Earth Kingdom. It's We're way south of that now. Rumors get wild the further they travel, you know? But uh, Tagaka just throws this out the window, because her whole deal is she became the admiral of this fleet by knowing things, and that does not include being falling for rumors, so... She knows a lot about all the people who are here, and the example she gives is, um... I'm, I'm going to read this because it's weirdly phrased. Um, for example, I know who holds the Royal Academy record for the most, quote, accidental kills during Agni Kai's Madam Headmistress. So cool. apparently, uh, Heyron challenges people to Agni Kai's and then just accidentally kills them, like, all the time. So that's... Are, we, are we supposed to believe that there's the air quotes around that accidentally? <laughs> I think we are, because it does have the internal quotations. Oh, okay, I, I, I forgot, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, like, it's single quotes inside the double quote, so that's emphasis, or yeah. in some cases, finger quotes, yes. To be fair, I more, like, listened to the audiobook chapter on this chapter. Well, yeah, that's fair. It. So, yeah, I didn't see that there actually were quotes around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Ron, like, basically just ignores this, but Rongi almost jumps up and tries to kill Takaka right there, so Kyoshi has to, like... <laughs> do the silent calmer down thing and of course the other person here is Kelsong which is um, you know that like the, the pirate fleets they stay in the eastern sea and there's not much there but they stay there even though there's like a lot of problems with staying there and the reason is uh, because of Kelsong um, Kyoshi is like she's desperate to jump to his defense because he is more or less her dad but the thing is, is that, uh, he, uh, Tagaka's dad took a fleet all the way around the southern tip of the Earth Kingdom, and Kelsong created a storm with his airbending that sank the entire fleet by himself. What? So they've just got the three mass murderous mass murderers teaching the Avatar mm -hmm. is the thing. Yep. Geez, did any wonder why Kuruk might have been led astray by these people? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Hmm, you know, who can say here? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, so because of this performance, the entire pirate fleet stays to this eastern sea because they are afraid that Kelsong might be watching, and... <laughs> yeah. Just imagining, uh, like, pirates, like, just looking around in the dark, and they just think they see, uh, like, a jolly old man with a big beard staring at them from the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> like, Kelsong is always watching. They, they tell the story to their kids and make sure they have nightmares and don't, like, get up the... <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Kyoshi has a moment here where she, like, she doesn't want to believe this because Kelsong's her dad, but also, all those times when he was leaving Yokoya, is that what he was doing? Was hunting pirates this whole time? And he just never mentioned it? So, yeah, Tagaka is like... Her point here is, um, why in the world would you bring the most mass murderous mass murderers to the peace treaty <laughs> signing? Like, that's that's a bad sign. 
No, and... cl- clearly when Kelsong's been out, he's just been going around in some towns, and he brought Kiyoshi back this nice knife as a souvenir. He definitely didn't take it from the corpse of the person that he drowned. <laughs> definitely yeah. not. No, not at all. For sure. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess I got some jam here on this knife. Don't. That's definitely not blood. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Yun promises that Tagaka has nothing to fear from his bending masters, and like you know, just based on reputations, he should probably be afraid of her, right? Because she's a pirate queen and all. And she basically just says, "Yes, you should be," and then. <laughs> Uh, there's, like, a ritual purification thing that she does. It's, um, bad luck to undertake an important ceremony with blood on your spirit. So she did this already before they got here, but since all these mass murderers are here, she's just gonna go do it again just to be safe, because, like, ugh. These guys have such bad vibes. They got the ghost stink. Um. (laughs) Hey, what's the ghost stink? The ghost stink? Yeah, I don't think I heard that before. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's like the, uh, the 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 aura of menace that lingers behind after you've killed a bunch of okay, people. Okay, like you can actually see the visible stink lines coming off of a person. <laughs> yeah, because they're ghosts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, again, a phrase I've never heard before. I've never heard somebody refer to like bad vibes as the ghost stink. That's because I just made it up. Oh, okay. As far as I know, anyway. Um... <laughs> Let's see. So the instant that Takaga and the pirates leave, Takaka and the pirates leave, uh, <laughs> um, Yun like swings to the masters and is like demanding to know whether this is true. He's ignoring all kind of decorum. He doesn't like do the thing where he's respecting his masters. He just needs to know the truth here, and. Junju uh, basically says, that, I mean, it's an overstatement, don't worry about it. But to Yun, like, what? Okay, so it wasn't 5,000 guys, was it 100? What is the line that makes it okay that you did this? And Junju's response basically is that, well, these guys were bandits and murderers, and they were just going to keep killing people, so I dropped a canyon on them, and it worked, the end. So cool. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, well, these people suck, so it's okay to do a little bit of a genocide on their entire group, right? <laughs> well, it is a little bit, and hear me out here, I'm not defending him, but it's not really genocide exactly, because they're not a minority or religious group. They are specifically criminal gangs. That, that, that's true. But it's like, it's still, that's still killing a lot of people in one go. Yeah, it is. That is It's like, yeah, most, over the like, top. Pre- they might be, like, really bad people, but it's like, yeah, but, like, you probably don't want to escalate to the same level as them to deal with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he suggests that the reason maybe they've never heard of it is because, like, the, uh, the citizens of the Earth Kingdom feel the same way I do, because those guys were just criminals and they got what they deserved. So, again, uh, this guy. Um, John Ju did like two 9-11s on these people, and most people are like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yep. Uh, Kelsong, at the very least, tries to get into this argument with like, times were different, we did what we had to to save lives, we didn't have an avatar, so I'm sorry, like, this is bad, I regret my actions, but we had to do what we could to keep people alive, which, at least that is an argument I can respect, not like John Ju's friggin' 
I, I still, Everybody thinks it's good, actually. I still really want to know what it is about this world that the moment there's not an avatar for, like, a stretch of, like, three or five years or so, that everything just immediately goes tits up. Because, <laughs> like, it just seems like it happens all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, like, they spent, like, a, a, you know, to be fair, like, a hundred years of no avatar was because literally one nation was trying to conquer, the like, everywhere in the world. <laughs> Yeah, kind of on them in a sense, but it's like it's just like it's only been like a total of sixteen years since Kurok died. To you know, they obviously think it's Yoon <laughs> at this point, but it's like we still don't know fully like how long it's been since they discovered Yoon. But it's like if we if we're being generous and we say like three years ago, that's still only like thirteen years for the world to apparently just fall immediately to shit. Yep, and that still feels like it's kind of fast. <laughs> But I say that, meanwhile, I've lived through the 2020s, so maybe it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, um, Yun basically is like, oh, good for you, you have an avatar now, now you can make me kill all the people instead of doing it yourselves. Good job, guys. And (laughs) this is the moment, I think, when I have appreciated him more than ever before. Yeah. Because up till like, now, he's just been kind of a goofball, but this just... Yeah, like, just... like Yoon, Yoon takes his duty seriously, but he has kind of always come across as, like, also still having fun with it. But I, I do <laughs> appreciate that he's willing to be like, hey, what the fuck, why do y'all suck so much? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and also, do you think that you're just going to basically throw me at people as a result now? <laughs> yep. And then Jeonju uh, starts yelling and kicks everybody out. Uh, not to make light of it, but given their relationship, I believe he is about to injure Yoon, because that is how these two interact with each other when they are in private. So. Ha. I mean, would you even um, say that that's how they treat each other in private when, like, he literally did that when Heyron was present? <laughs> that is a fair point, yeah. he. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's not, like, public-public, but it's like, that's still, like, there's another person besides just the two of them, and you're literally yeah, torturing this true. kid. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so everyone leaves the tent, and Kyoshi manages to follow Kelsong, who is... He's not very far away, he is a dozen paces away, so... He, he just went, like, 20 feet. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he's just sitting on a little stool that he found in the snow, and it's, like, sinking into the iceberg because he weighs so much, this little stool can't handle it. Um... <laughs> I think I'm only just now kind of starting to realize that, like, traditionally adults in this setting just fucking suck, actually. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's weird that it's, like, it's kind of taking me this long. Like, there's, like, there's like the the White Lotus guys near the end of Last Airbender are pretty cool. <laughs> They're pretty chill. They just, I mean, I mean, to be fair, Iroh's one of them. He just wants to sit around, drink, make tea, and play Pai Shao all day. <laughs> Listen, fair. if you're under 20, you're allowed to be cool. And if you're over 60, you're allowed to be cool. Anything in the middle. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I, at least Zuko, you're just barely cutting over there, but you're like 16. It's like, we you got a few years before you're going to suck. <laughs> but then when we see you again in Korra, you're cool again. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's like... Like, I guess, like, it's even just, like, yeah, that's kind of a point that, like, even in, like, books, I guess less so book one, but especially book two, it's, like, even, like, it's, like, Tenzin having to learn to fucking chill and mm-hmm. not control everything as much. <laughs> I still, like, at least, at least he has this little, like, goofy vacation Tenzin plot in that, in that season, even if the rest of that season <laughs> sucks. There's that. Tenzin just cannot relax. <laughs> 
Even when being forced to, he's like, I can't. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. So yeah, Kelsong is kind of breaking down because everything that he's been feeling guilty about and hidden for all these years has been just laid bare. And he thought that, like, he thought that failing to help Koruk be a good avatar was his worst disgrace. But no, it turns out, uh, no. And Kyoshi is like, she's frustrated, but she knows that air nomads are, like, hyper-pacifistic to the point of preposterousness, that, quote, no criminal beyond forgiveness and redemption, which is admirable to a point, but sometimes that gets your entire civilization wiped out, I'm just saying. Oh, it um, hasn't happened yet, to be fair. <laughs> no, it hasn't. Um, It'll happen like know. 400 ish years, or 300 ish, I forget. 300 <laughs> ish, yeah. Yeah, 300 ish. But it's like, I mean, it's like you still occasionally get like people like Yang Chen, who's even still just like, yeah, sometimes you just gotta kill a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read the Yang Chen novels, but I kind of want to, because I really want to know what her deal is. Yeah, like, because like. <laughs> We only, again, we only get, like, one very brief glimpse of her in the entirety of the shows, to my recollection, and it's, mm -hmm. and it is that part, like, in, was that, like, episode two of the four-part finale, I think it is, when mm -hmm. I was talking to his past lives? I think that's it, yeah, because that's when he's yeah. on the island. And it's like, we barely know anything about her just from that, and it's like, it would be a little bit interesting to get there maybe at some point. We will, I don't remember if that's in this book or the next one, but we will talk a little bit about her and the way she did things as an avatar with Kyoshi, mm -hmm. but we still don't really get a good picture of her as a person. It's yeah, more of the I, things she did, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, again, like, similar to, like, how it's like, oh, we know Kyoshi made Kyoshi Island by separating it from the mainland, but who was Kyoshi yeah, as a person? Yeah, that's exactly it. Well, that's what these books are for. <laughs> but yes. So her her thought is that, you know, like, exceptional circumstances mean you can put your deeply held convictions aside for a while, right? Like, sure, maybe you swore never to take another life, but if you gotta kill a bunch of pirates, you gotta do it. That's just how things go. Obviously. Come on. But Kelsong clearly does not feel that way. Uh, because of what he did, apparently, he almost got kicked out of the Air Temple entirely, so... That's part of why he's been in Yokoya so much. <laughs> um, and she, like, she hugs him as he's freaking out and tells him that he's never let her down, ever, ever, ever. And Kelsong... Uh, like, everything we've heard about him is that he's gigantic. Mm -hmm. And yet, he is having difficulty withstanding the sheer force of her hug. So again, she is very big. Um... <laughs> Yoshi, I see you made, You had another ghost spurt in the few hours we were traveling here. <laughs> she is now seven feet tall. <laughs> I fully believe that she is seven foot tall as an adult, but I don't think oh, she's yeah, there right. yet. Pro probably, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, so they, they're just there hugging for a while, and then eventually Kelsong sends her away to camp as they hear a plate smash from back inside the tent where Yun is. That's probably a good sign. And uh, he goes into that tent, uh, insisting Wait. that he'll check on them, and Kyoshi needs to leave. We are actually right. Uh, apparently people did confirm that she was seven feet tall in her adulthood. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Kyoshi is tall. <laughs> <sighs> 
She is like basically she lives for like two hundred and thirty years and she's seven yep. feet tall throughout most of that. Yep. <laughs> that is crazy. Oh yeah, she's terrifying. <laughs> like, oh Avatar Kyoshi, you must be getting up and you're in your two hundred and she just effortlessly kicked kicked her ass while still being seven feet tall. Yeah, and this withered old so, lady. <laughs> this is like minor spoilers, but not exactly. She doesn't age is the thing. She learns a secret technique eventually that helps her just maintain. So she gets to like 21, I think it is, and then she just stays 21 for 200 years. Ugh. So, yeah. She gets that 18th level of druid, I guess. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> that just stays the same age for so long. <laughs> so yeah, she's not some withered seven-foot-tall old lady. She is fully just a okay, seven-foot-tall yeah. nightmare monster her whole life. <laughs> Yeah, compared to my druid, who lived to be, like, 430 or something, and then it's like, yeah, by the time that she would have been, like, Kiyoshi's age at the time she passed away, it's like, she still looks like she's in her early or mid-30s. <laughs> That's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um... Don't live, don't live for, don't live for centuries, it's bad. Yeah, a little bit. Uh-huh. I honestly have no idea. I don't know if the canon's established. I don't know if her eventual partner lives for centuries. I feel like that would be an issue. I would have to think no, right? Because, like, you're saying it's, like, a secret technique, and it's, like, unless it's, like, a spirit world thing, I would think it's something that, like, only the Avatar would be able to do. Because, like, again, uh... like, we kind of get this... I mean, again, like, just based on Aang, we kind of get the sense at times that the Avatar can live, just in general, a little bit longer than the average person, but not, like, super long. Yeah. Like, cause, I mean, like, Aang is, like, technically, like, in his 160s when he passed away, but obviously he spent 100 years of that frozen. Yeah, like, I. Like, just by the only pass away when he's a weird situation, but I feel yeah. like that was more a suspended animation thing than a long life yeah. thing. Yeah. But, like, that, they still explain that as, like, that's why he passed away when he was only in his 60s, because he still technically was aging in a sense during that 100 years. Which is why he still passed I... away a little bit earlier than most avatars would. I just don't think that's true, because if it is, then it's not weird that Kyoshi lived to be 200. Like... <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I'm just remembering that was, like, the their official reasoning for why, like, it's only, like, 70 years after the end of that show before, like, he's passed away and there's already a 17-year-old avatar in his place. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just don't think that that's really a thing. Maybe that was an explanation at one point, but as the universe stands now, it just does not make sense. <laughs> I guess. I guess we'll have to see when we get the context of how it is that she lives to be, like, 230. <laughs> yeah. Which I'd imagine would be in the next book, not this one. <laughs> um, I honestly don't remember. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Kyoshi's leaving. She's heading back to the tents where the their crew are staying. But as she's going, she bumps into a pirate. And he's super drunk, but he's, like, bothering her and going saying that she looks familiar, he thinks he knows her, and he talks about the how he used to be a, a land criminal guy, and he he did a he was did business with the, the the flying something people, the flying something, you know, the the the, the something flying people, operas maybe. Uh, he's he's about as coherent as I have been in the intros, but he mentions that the leader of this group was a woman who looked a lot like Kyoshi, um, and he asks about, like, whether she's ever been to Chameleon Bay, and talks about how how much he had the hots for that lady, 
and she had incredible snake tattoos on her arms, but he never got to see if they went under her clothes, which, gross. And then Kiyoshi uh, picks him up with one hand by the neck. So again, 16-year-old picking <laughs> uh-huh. up a man with one hand yep. and slams him into the cliff. So he's just free dangling over the ocean. I, I think I think at this point I just have to like think of Kiyoshi as being like si- similar to like Senna from Senna like 3, except she's 7 feet tall instead of like 4 and a half feet tall. Like she, does, she has no physical muscle, but she's just all fucking muscle, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the little girl that has the big hammer. I don't know if you might have seen pictures of her probably we, we posted doc, like mentions about her in the chat at times <laughs> but yeah uh are we sub- i don't know if you can confirm or deny this is he referring to kiyoshi's mom i would think i don't think i can confirm or deny that okay. I, i'm like pretty sure but like, i feel like just like his like descriptor of this person and her reaction i feel like it like has to be something at least related like she knows this person even if it's not her mom in a sense like well, a... you know what? I changed my mind, I will say. I think he is talking about Kiyoshi's mom here, because Kiyoshi, what she's doing here as she picks him up and slams him into the cliff is going, you don't know me, do you understand? You yeah, are mistaken. Yeah, it's, Shut it's up. Like, it's Never not talk only, to me again. It's not only how she like picks this guy up by the throat, but it's also mm-hmm. that. It is like her like being like, you fucking don't know me, got it? And I'm going like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that like makes me be like she has to be this has to be her mom i think and she's just <laughs> this fucking furious about her parents yeah mm-hmm. so when he agrees that he made a mistake and he was wrong because she just rolled the frankly i don't think she rolled very high at all but she has such an incredible intimidation score that <laughs> she um... gets a plus five bonus for being seven feet tall <laughs> uh-huh uh-huh or and maybe maybe it's just... for dangling him over the ocean and yeah exactly yeah Maybe she just kind of always gets advantage just from also being seven feet tall. <laughs> She's just like, I just want, I want to see how much I can escalate. Can I get tr- double advantage? Can I roll three times? <laughs> it's like element accuracy, but for intimidating a person. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so then she steals this man's wine jug and is like holding onto it as a threat, basically, because she's gonna tell Tagaka that he was drinking on duty if he ever like says anything to her again. So. I don't feel like that's convincing blackmail, because it could be anybody's wine jug, but whatever. Um, we cut away to Kiyoshi. Uh, she collapses in the snow and ice outside her tent. She's not in the tent, she's just laying there in the snow, <laughs> which is not healthy. This is uh, this is hypothermia, is what's happening here. Sometimes um, you just gotta lay on the floor after you've had a long day. <laughs> not in the snow. <laughs> Even if the snow, even if the floor is snow. <laughs> but um, Rangi shows up and sees Kyoshi lying face down in the snow, <laughs> and Kyoshi's still got the liquor gourd and she stinks of wine. So Rangi just assumes that she's been drinking, and Kyoshi goes along with it because it's easier to lie about this than admit what happened. <laughs> And so Rangi has to drag this six and a half foot tall woman in armor into. <laughs> it's right. Is Rangi like four feet tall? Is she just really small or something? I don't think she is, but it's a funnier image if she is. Yeah, like her being like uh, almost like a good like sixty percent shorter than Kiyoshi or something. Being like, God damn it, why is this lady so fucking tall? Because I will say, Rangi is. Off. She is chiseled. She is a soldier. Don't forget. Yeah, but so... if she's if she's still like three feet shorter, it would still be difficult <laughs> for her. 
or just have to drag Kiyoshi by the leg because it's like I can't, mm-hmm. I can't even bother, I can't even try to lift this lady and not have her her head and her feet dangling on the ground. I can't balance it easily, so I just gotta drag her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Rangi drags her into the tent and then takes all her clothes off. And I'm not joking. Rangi specifically <laughs> takes Kiyoshi's clothes off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we learn that Rangi is also just wearing her undergarments at this point. So totally straight. Don't worry about it. Um, Kyoshi has a moment where she's, like, uh, staring at, uh, Rangi because she didn't realize how, uh, buff, uh, Rangi is and is, like, having a moment here. Uh. I wonder what this moment was, might be. <laughs> it was hard for her to comprehend that the spiky bits weren't a natural part of Rangi's body. <laughs> Kyoshi, do you not know, like, basic anatomy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I um, just assumed all lesbians have spiky bits growing out of them, right? <laughs> that's how that works. Yeah. Um. So Kiyoshi asks why Rangi isn't with Yun, although she does it in a more embarrassing way. And uh, apparently, Yun and Jianju are staying up tonight and reviewing strategies. So he's definitely hurting the kid again. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. Yep. Ugh. And uh, Amok apparently only sleeps in 10-minute intervals spaced throughout the day. He's doing that Iron Man sleep schedule thing. Which, which... how? <laughs> isn't I that mean, like, isn't it... It, like proven to not work and also be terrible for you? <laughs> I don't know if it's ever been like scientifically proven, but I don't believe that like, it works. Isn't that, isn't that like how like Einstein slept or something? I don't think so. But maybe? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I feel like this was like something that, again, bringing back to Seinfeld of all things, I think it got referenced to that because Kramer was trying to do that in episode. Well, yeah, I mean, it's been a thing people have been trying to do since the 1700s. It's, it's got a long history, uh, but... According to Apocryphal Legend, to make sure he didn't overdo it, he reclined his armchair for a spoon in his hand and the metal plate directly behind him. He allowed himself to drift off for a second and then wake up when he started dropping that stuff. Because that's part of like how it's like, oh, he would sleep like... Wait. How come it says, like, did he sleep three hours a week? But then it also says he would sleep an hour to ten hours a night, as well as taking daytime naps. So I don't know. <laughs> it kind of sounds like he just slept like a normal guy and took naps. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> anyway, um, so they're settling in because, you know, Master Amok is, like, going to be keeping watch since he barely sleeps, along so with the guardsmen. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And uh, they tuck in beneath their furs because they're on an iceberg, and Kyoshi is, like, you know, having a little bit of a panic attack because Rangi is right there in her underwear, and it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, oh no. Um, <laughs> this book basically, besides being like, wow, the Avatar's teachers suck, it's also just been like, yeah, did you know that Kyoshi is bisexual? Here you go. <laughs> She's bisexual. Much, yes. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, again, I'm thinking of, like, the the fucking, like, Penny Parker, uh, Sonic Riders fandom of, like, whoa, he's bisexual, I didn't know that. It's her body going, by the way, I'm bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Uh, so Kyoshi then basically ruins the moment by saying that, uh, those, those mass murderers were actually good. Uh, I heard about the bandits, and, you know, um, actually, Chonshu went too easy on them. He should have killed more. Um, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. 
John Zhu is like basically he starts digging the hole and people tell him he's doing wrong and his decision is I I gotta just dig this hole deeper it's the only way I can do <laughs> like everybody yeah. else telling him please dig up stupid and he's like nah I can't dig up you can only dig down yeah um she also throws in a thing here about like you know accidents are accidents your mom probably didn't mean to murder anyone deliberately. And then Rangi straight up goes, no, this was deliberate. My mom murdered those guys. Wrong thing to say, Kiyoshi. <laughs> hmm? Wrong thing to say, Kiyoshi. You should yeah, not... Mm-hmm. Like, you at least give it, like, a couple of days or something before you address this of, like, I'm sure it was fine. <laughs> she didn't mean that, right? It's like, you waited, like, ten minutes. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, it's got to be more than ten minutes if Rangi can plausibly believe that Kiyoshi went out drinking, but... Okay, it's been, it's been like an hour, Tots. <laughs> but yeah, apparently one of the people uh, that Heyron killed was her cousin, so, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> people think that uh, she is effectively a Fire Nation assassin, she just uses the honor of the Agni Kai and the accidents as a way to do it, so that's pretty brutal. Uh, it's... Rangi's pretty upset about this, obviously, and uh, she's, um, <sighs> she buried her face into Kiyoshi's chest, gripping her tightly as if to scrub the memory away. Gay, gay, gay. Like right on the boob. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So Kiyoshi pulls her in tighter, and she's draping an arm over her, and the firebender nestled under it and relaxed. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're totally normal. They're just, they're just, uh, yeah, just, just, laying together. Just gals being pals, you know how it is. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, one sure addressing the other and then, uh, laying her face on the other's boobs. <laughs> totally normal. Yeah. Rangi shifted, pressing closer to Kiyoshi's body, rubbing the soft bouquet of her hair <laughs> against Kiyoshi's lips. <sighs> just, just a normal... <laughs> Uh, I guess, wait, they don't have, like, the regular days of the week like we do there. Uh, shit, that's gonna nope. be, like, just a regular Saturday, but it's like, oh, but they don't have the concept of Saturday. Mm-hmm. Actually, I guess we don't even know how long... Like, actually, hang on, I gotta find this out, what their calendar is like now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, eventually Rongi falls asleep, and, uh, Kyoshi realizes Rongi is, like, laying on her arms, so that's gonna be a big pain, but she's not willing to wake Rongi up, so... Kyoshi is just going to lay here and let her arm fall off because the circulation is getting cut off because a girl is laying on it. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh darn, I really need my leg, but at the same time, I kind of also need the gay. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, hi Zicky, I heard her in the background. <laughs> Impressive, she's not in this room. <laughs> no, it didn't sound like it, but I still heard her screaming through the door. <laughs> <sighs> oh, there she is again. <laughs> Okay, yeah, apparently, so, right, the only closest thing we get to knowing the calendar in there is that they show a 30-day month and also that it's a 12-month year. So it's like, yeah, like, I think it's, yeah, they've also at some points mentioned a few weeks ago in terms of, like, how much time has passed. So it's like, I guess their year, I guess their calendar is basically just the same as ours and we just don't ever hear the days of the week, basically, or the months or something like that. <laughs> uh, that makes sense, yeah. Um... So the next morning, um, everything is fine. Nobody got assassinated. It's great. 
Uh, Kiyoshi only slept like two hours because she was in pain the whole night because her arm was falling off. <laughs> uh, and it seems like everyone's chill, even Yon and Janju. She doesn't really get how they could fight like that and forgive each other so fast. Like, you know, wrongs mean something. You have to carry that. You have to hold a grudge. She's very... Kyoshi is a little more uh, dwarf-coated than a lot of our other avatars, even if she is seven <laughs> feet tall. She's, the, she, she's like the fucking, uh, she's the dwarf OC. She's like the Drista Warden equivalent of a, of a dwarf. She's, <laughs> she's the one tall dwarf as opposed to, like, the one who had a good drow. <laughs> yeah, it's not that they kicked her out of the tunnels, it's just that she didn't fit anymore. Yeah, it's like, I, they didn't kick me out, I left. <laughs> Don't go ask them. I, I left. It was my own choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah so well they're going through the treaty blah 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 Kyoshi's like arguing with herself about how she's definitely not the avatar because there's a chance but a chance isn't the same thing as being true so don't worry about it and then she tries to think like well actually maybe he's just jumping to conclusions because he got sidelined and he wants to be like in with the avatar so if I'm the avatar then he's in with me but I'm not obviously so he's just making this up clearly and you know, it's she's not thrilled with this line of questioning, but it's the the best thing she can come up with that isn't I'm the Avatar, so she's okay with it. <laughs> um. Anyway, we get to the uh, peace talks, and both sides are like looking at each other over the middle of a table, basically. And uh, also, there's uh, hostages here. One of the uh, one of the uh, villagers is here. She carried all their gear, so that's cool. Um. <clears throat> Then T Tagaka creates a little table out of ice using her water bending, and um, yeah, it, it's I don't know how to put it exactly. It's kind of unimpressive. Uh, Amok actually laughs out loud, although he tries to stifle it. Yeah, like she basically describes it as like, oh, I've, uh, unfortunately, I come from a long line of good vendors, but I've just never had a hand for it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. At which point, nobody in the group rolls an inside check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This lady so has the, expertise uh, in deception and maxed out charisma. <laughs> yes. Um, so they start the treaty declarations, and the, uh, the woman who carried the bags up here is also doing the special fancy uh, treaty, whatever you call it. It's, it's basically calligraphy, but there's specific processes you have to go through that makes it a treaty. And we don't know if she already knew that and that's why she was picked, or if, like, this was forced into her at pain of, like, you know, death hostage. Um, I mean, probably that. <laughs> so, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to skip over some of the politics here because it's just arguments about, like, yeah. specific terms. It's, it's and also what you a, can call. It's also a pretty long chapter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, just. The argument is basically, like, what she's allowed to call himself. So I'm just going to skip ahead to Yun asking for all of the hostages back. That's part of the deal. He wants all of them, every single one of them, and if they're already sold, he wants her to find them and bring them back. If they're dead, he wants their remains. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> I appreciate Yun here. He's doing his best. He's really trying. Um, and Kyoshi's super into it. Uh... Kiyoshi had never loved her avatar more. This was what Yun had wanted her to see when he begged her to come along. <laughs> her heart was ready to burst. So again... <sighs> but yes, um, Tagaka agrees immediately. The, the captives, like, all are free to go. No worries. 
because they were useless. Uh, not even one of them was a carpenter, so it's like <laughs> useless. The thing is, is that when you're pirates, you need wood to build your ships. But having wood isn't enough. You need to build the ships. So, yes, she wants carpenters and trees and a port so she can build her ships. And basically what they are bargaining for is uh, Yokoya. That's, that's what she wants in exchange for all of this. And then, uh, and then there's a weird gross noise, and Master Amok gets speared through the back by a stalagmite of ice. Uh, someone just water-bent water bent a spear through the back of his chest. Right. And Tagaka apparently is the one doing this, because she definitely recognized him through his disguise, so... <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> Poor Amok introduced this chapter and merely iced, literally. <laughs> Yeah, great way to end the peace conference. Um, Yay! Treaty time. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Let's murder somebody and we're done here, right? That's peace. Um, so yes, uh, the the ice breaks open and arms start coming out because there's water benders embedded in the iceberg. They like tunneled through up underneath it. And um, Kyoshi manages to, like, grab herself, because what they're doing is the arms are reaching out and they're pulling people under the ice. It's very... it's terrifying, and uh, I love it. It's it's great. Um, but Kyoshi is large enough and muscular enough that she can just, like, hold herself there <laughs> and not get pulled down there. Uh, Kelsung also just jumps in the air. The, the poor <laughs> pirate and for just being like, shit, she's too tall, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect this lady to be so fucking gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> Kelsong flies off, and not flying exactly, but you know, he's got his glider thing, so he doesn't get pulled down either. Yon is also fine as Takaga, Tagaka draws her sword and tries to kill him, but he, like, the, the, the ink slab that they were using to do this thing. He shatters it with earthbending and turns it into a gauntlet. He's doing the the frost gauntlet thing, but with stone instead of ice. Yeah. And so he just grabs her blade, and um, then Kiyoshi stomps the guy who's trying to drag her down and breaks his face. <laughs> uh, as a consequence, uh, he freezes the water around her, so she's just stuck waist down in the ice. Uh, she's. <laughs> uh. I love this image, because he was supposed to drag her down, and no, instead he's just going to lock her there like carbonite. Um, so Kiyoshi is, like, sticking waist-high out of the ice, and he's watching this fight between the, the Avatar and the pirate, and they're they're thrilling. And uh, it turns out that Tagaka was, like, lying is the thing. She was pretending to be bad at waterbending. She's much better than her father was. So she's, like, splitting the iceberg and uh, revealing caves, and the pirate ships were inside the iceberg this entire time, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So Yun, like, falls over because he's really falling back. It's not great. And uh, Takaga just covers him in ice. She, like, I, I, it says she blankets him in ice, taking care to cover his stone-gloved hand. She's fully just tying him down with ice. and. Yeah, oh, I envision it more like he's just, like, flash-freezing him. 
Well, kind like, of, because... For, for the Kingdom Hearts fans out there, exa- imagining when Xehanort flash freezes uh, Ventus, just in case... It's honestly a little bit down. like burying someone in the sand, because his head is still free. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. Because I, mean, I feel like if you flash freeze a person like that, they are just dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she's, like... Basically, she's hoping to kill all the people here, and then she can take over, whatever, because she got rid of the bad guys, right? Um, so, more people are showing up now, and um, Yun is, like, trying to get his crew to go after the ships and stop them from driving into the Earth Kingdom. And then Takaga encases his head in the ice, so, cool. I hope he can hold his breath. Um... Kelsong takes off towards the ship, but uh, Tagaka, like, throws a bunch of ice spears at him. And uh, the thing is, is that, like, so he can dodge the big spears, but also there's a bunch of tiny, like, ice knives in between them, so he can't really dodge everything, and he just falls into the ocean, so that's fun. Uh, oh, I love this part of the chapter. She's just wrecking shop. Um, <laughs> And then uh, Tagaka just grabs the part of the iceberg that she put Yun in. Like, she pulls the chunk out of the ground and just runs off toward camp. She's taking the Avatar with her. Um, and again, I'm imagining for some, some reason some, like, goofy, like, Team Rocket contraption where they grab Pikachu and they're just running off of him. <laughs> and this is just, like, a, a teenage guy frozen in ice. <laughs> yeah, this is fully Han Solo in the Carbonite. <laughs> um... Yeah, so Kyoshi is so powerful that despite the fact that her lower body is frozen in place, she basically just flexes and the ice shatters, and she's able to pull herself out. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, it's it's not great, but so she's like falling, following them down the hill, but also falling because she is hurt, so she's bleeding all the way down the hill, and the pirates are like loading themselves into longboats, and um, they they've got the avatar here, but a couple of them notice that she's following and start to pick up weapons, but Tagaka's like throws them off because putting stuff in the boats is more important than one wounded girl. So like <laughs> Yeah it's like yeah she she's not threat. She's hoppling after us. She ain't gonna do shit. Yeah. And uh yeah. Uh Kyoshi basically begs Tagaka to give him back and um she she's trying to do the intimidate, it's not working but uh, Tagaka is basically saying no, because he's more useful as a hostage than an avatar, so we're just going to take him. But uh, you actually uh, are interesting and big and scary, so want to be a pirate? <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of funny just how, like, <laughs> just so easily she's like, ah, yeah, maybe actually, maybe we should pay attention to this lady. Want to come with? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Kyoshi doesn't even entertain the idea. I would never become a Daofei, pretending to be a leader and an important person when you're nothing but a murderous slaver. You're the lowest form of life I know, she says in front of the four pirate ships full of guys. Uh, <laughs> again, make me think her parents are also Daofei at this point. <laughs> so Kyoshi is, like, standing here. She's hurt, but she's still holding her ground as Tagaka pulls her sword. And she says, I'm, I'm quoting again, Give me the Avatar, I will put you down like the beast you are. So, ooh, rage issues on this girl. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Kyoshi doesn't actually know what she's going to do here, but she's ready to start doing stuff. 
So she starts waterbending. She falls into the crowding bridge stance, which I don't think we actually know what that looks like, but it's nice that it has a name because they don't have it in the show. That's a book special. And, um, yeah, she's just feeling echoes of power. And then um, she pulls stone from the floor of the ocean and fires it up through the surface to sink one of Tagaka's ships. She She's using the Earth as a ballistic weapon, which is just unbelievable. She's causing, like, tidal waves because this chunk of Earth is large enough and smashing crates and knocking over pirates. And Tagaka's, like, saves herself by creating an ice wall, but... Uh, the sea is boiling because more and more of this earth is rising up so fast and it's destroying the ships and she's trying to keep going, Kyosher is, but bringing the earth that far through the ocean that fast is really like she can barely hold on to it. And Takaka is freaked out because now she has no escape method and also she does not know what happened. But uh, she really is not willing to let Kiyoshi survive this because that was incredible. So she's about to just take Kiyoshi's head off. And then Rangi shows up and uh, fire blasts her. Uh, Peng Peng the bison shows up with Rangi and Heiron just shooting fire all over the place from the back of it. It's it's very helicopters with napalm in the Viet Cong <laughs> yeah. imagery. Um, <laughs> they sure don't explain how they got out, though. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they sure don't. The, the book even is like, she's like, I have no idea how they got out, but whatever. But like, even the next chapter, they don't address it and how they got out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Jonju is also here. He's the one driving the bison so that the others can fire. Um, and yeah, Kyoshi had no idea how they'd escaped the ice, but if any three people had the power and resourcefulness to pull it off, it was them. So yes, there's a few ships left, and some of the waterbenders are like just jumping into the water to get over here because they want to save their captain. But uh, Heron's thing is that she's going to handle the waterbenders, so she's telling Kyoshi to deal with the ships. And again, Kyoshi is, like, basically not conscious at this point, but Janju is realizing what happens when he sees these things. And, um, yeah, they're they're still flying around, and then Janju earthbends. Kyoshi had never seen this before. Like, he's apparently very quiet about it he doesn't do the thing but um yeah so he wasn't strong enough to bring the earth up from the bottom of the ocean like she is but now that she's brought it up here he can he's basically origamiing this earth it it's flat panes of stone peeled off the crag and flew up to meet him they arranged themselves with to a manic architectural construction with broad daylight showing through the triangular gaps he's he's more or less an architect slash artist when it comes to earthbending, and uh, now he has all yeah, the material yeah. he needs. Everybody here is just playing Fortnite regularly. He's the person who knows how to fucking build out of whim as soon as something happens, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. builds an elaborate bullshit thing around him. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of incredibly powerful earthbenders in these books, and that makes sense, but like, we just really don't see anything on this level in the show at all, except for maybe metal bending, and that's more raw power than it is finesse, you know? Yeah. But also, I'd imagine part of that is, like, budget, and because it would be a nightmare to try to animate something like this. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so John Zhu is building a bridge as he runs, that just, like, moving around underneath him. Like, he runs onto one panel, and then the one behind him flies around to the front. It's... Yeah. <laughs> moving panels, and he's heading for the ships, so he's going to go and sink the ships using his earth things, and um, yeah, it's rad. Uh, 
Let's see, blah blah blah. The base of the bridge simply let itself go, bringing the entire line of stone down across the prow. The ship's aft was levered out of the waterline, exposing the rudder. So he just tilts this ship on its axis, so it's in a direction it's not supposed to be, and then it collapses. It's, uh, it's a lot. Um, this is the moment in uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed when Starkiller rips a Star Destroyer out of orbit with the Force. That's, that's what we're looking at here. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah. Uh, Kiyoshi hears a voice, someone behind her, saying that she did a good job. Um, she doesn't recognize the voice, but it's someone with a voice who sounds like Master Amok. Uh, and this person tells her that they'll be telling stories about it for a long time. But uh, there's no one there when she turns around, and turning around makes her too dizzy, so she just goes ahead and passes out. And well, that is the end of my chapter. I'm so sorry, that was a very long one. It is a very long one. We were, we were having discussions for a while, trying to figure out how to like split these, but then we were like, it's just easier, to, I think, if we just went by one chapter each, rather than trying to split that one anywhere. Don't over. get me wrong, I had a lot of fun doing it, but I do feel like I took up a lot of space today. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, hey, a lot of stuff happens. Because it's like, it's not even like, uh, you know, like how we've glossed over like fight scenes or anything like that in like other shows we've covered and whatever. Mm -hmm. Just because it's like, well, how do we really describe this? It's a visual medium. <laughs> Watch it. Right. <laughs> Compared to this. Well, where I it's mean, like, like fight choreography is a lot more important in a book in a way because it has to yeah. be very clear what's happening. So, you know, positioning of everything. Yeah. You obviously That's... have to actually see and envision in your head compared to yeah. just sitting there and watching this, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's but, uh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot, and then the, of course there's also all the politics and stuff. And also, yeah, I skipped that all... entirely. Yeah, so. well, yeah, well, I mean, we already knew what the politics whole part of this was. They were trying to come to some sort of agreement, and then it's like we hit the main point, which is like, oh, it's actually never actually been a proper political argument. She just really yep. wants to take over a fort, <laughs> and is willing to murder them all to try to get it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And also, obviously, we had to get in all the gay, because you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we got that in there. That's important. We need yeah, it. Yeah, ex exactly. You need to have the gay in there, even if you need to skip over other stuff like the politics. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Should we just keep going? Just... Uh, yeah, I think we should. No ads today. This one's going to be long enough. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a long one. All right. Sorry, no ads today, but we do need to still throw a huge thank you to Bookcase Queen, Trigger Harpy, and Aurora Borealis. Thanks, y'all. Yep, thank you. Alright, moving around. Uh, I make sure to actually keep down what chapter it is, too. We're on the eighth chapter here, which is the Fracture. I don't know why I do that. Ooh, I helpful. Just, yeah, I, I just, I think for a while I was like thinking that like previous chapter was chapter nine for some reason. No, I was wrong. It was a week early for some reason. But yeah, no, that was seven. But yeah, uh, basically this uh, opens with Kiyoshi waking up at the mansion's infirmary, hoping that the warmness of the room would have been because of Rangi being present. She's not being subtle here. She's <laughs> straight up says <laughs> that she was hoping that it would warm because of her. But instead, to her dismay, it's Yanju. He's here instead, because of course he is. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I have to make this awkward immediately. <laughs> she tries to convince herself that there's no reason to be worried around him as he hands her a drink. And he just launches into how he's clearly putting things together really here since Kiyoshi always had an issue with the finer manipulation of her fending as most students start out with pebbles compared to her just being able to move literal mountains while being <laughs> car removed from the ocean floor. So it's like, this entire conversation between them is just him being like, yeah, 
I think I think something's going on here, <laughs> even if he's not saying it directly. <laughs> yeah, if you remember earlier in the book, Kyoshi wouldn't earthbend because of her, quote, earthbending problem. Yeah. And now we learn that it is because she can only do enormous earthbending things. Yeah, she cannot like, do anything small, so she, if she retaliated, she would have killed that child. <laughs> she has she has the, the telekinesis power in Hero, but she didn't buy the fine manipulation adder for it, so she can't actually, like, she can pick up a pencil... But she can't write with it, essentially. <laughs> Except in her case, she literally can't pick up the pencil. She's picking up the entire house the pencil is yes, exactly. sitting on the desk of. <laughs> but yeah, she cannot catch the jug because she would not be able to, literally, because she can just smash it with something larger. Mm-hmm. Uh, poor Nancy, so full of kelp. I miss Nancy. When's she I, coming back? Also, I, I did realize, I was thinking of that, because like, remember when we were discussing how Yun was like writing out like one of my three favorite girls doing? He must have been mm-hmm. referring to Alma as the third, right? Because like, Kiyoshi said that he was spying on them because he could see with them from where he was, even if they couldn't see him. He must yeah. have seen Alma. Because he did, he was on the roof. He saw yeah. them from a distance. So. Yeah, I mean, he was he was watching that time. He was able to catch the jug for them. But it's like, Sorry, I guess we can't count Nancy in there as the third girl. <laughs> no, Nancy. I almost already left. <laughs> so then, shouldn't you said my four favorite girls then? For including Nancy? Not if, not if one of them left. <laughs> but she was present when she threw the jar up and made her escape, which is what caused yeah, the situation. Yeah, she threw the jar up and left, and then he caught it and was like, what are my three favorite girls doing? Because there were only three left. Kyoshi and Rangi and Nancy. <laughs> Uh, I think it's supposed to be Alma, but sure. <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> Look, we, we ha- If okay, someone runs else? away, you don't usually include them in the what you doing question. But she was causing the antics. Anyway, we should move on. We're already at the hour 48. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Junju himself cannot move her from that far away, nor across the water like she did, but she tries to say that she only did so in a moment of need to help Yoon, like just an adrenaline kind of thing, of just, oh, I was able to do superhuman things because I needed to. <laughs> uh, Junju dives into a long explanation of how absolutely fucked the Earth Kingdom is at this point, because <laughs> just, it just is, uh, and that just, that just seems to be the existing state of that nation regardless of whatever the time period, let's be real. <laughs> It's fucked during Aang's time because they're literally lying to people about there being a war for hundred years. It's mm-hmm. fucked in in uh, Korra's time, not for like the first few, but it gets fucked at near at some point, and then it stays fucked for the finale, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, on some level, this is at least a racist thing. Like, yeah, <sighs> villagers in Yokoya wear as much blue as green. Big uh-huh. deal, man. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh- Oh, darn. Sorry that there's some people here from the Water Tribes, I guess, who are, like, delivering, like, selling clothes here. Get over it. <laughs> like, specifically the thing about Yokoya is that it is on the border between three of the nations. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it's especially also egregious because it's like, oh, most of uh, this town is in his kind of green. And it's like, oh, so you want people to just wear your stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. He, d- he wants people to only buy stuff made in Yokoya and not from outside. <laughs> you don't need any exports or anything like that, or imports. Yeah. I'm trying to make a whole thing with America First joke here, slash criticism. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, he goes on to say that they basically just have more than one king. The different dialects are starting to become entirely different languages. He bitches and moans about people's clothing not being green. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Places are starting to have entirely different customs. Oh no, how terrible. <laughs> and yeah. he even, like, kind of, like, unrelated in a sense, but he brings you up that the word Dalfei is a Nerf Kingdom exclusive and that there's, like, no translation that in the other nations. It basically, they always call them criminals, but, like, the reason why, like, they had to really come up with a word for them is just because they run rampant because of the Earth Kingdom not being an effective authority. Again, never has been in any of these different glimpses of this world we've seen, really. <laughs> the Earth Kingdom's yeah. always been bad. <laughs> I don't know. Like, maybe I'm just distrustful of this guy, but it kind of seems fine right now. Like, he's playing off other stuff, but, like... Who cares if languages are different? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, oh no, the languages, clothing, and customs are different. That that's just called progress, my guy. Things change over time. If I can deal with it. <laughs> like, okay, yes, the Daofei are effectively kind of a mafia, but other than that, yeah. like, it seems fine. Like, like I get that. Like, about I get the whole like having more than just one guy declare himself king of the nation could be problematic because it's like you're. Like, you're basically having the nation divided by just having, like, okay, who, do you, who are the actual kings do you support? Kind of deal, but I mean, it's like... Who cares? <laughs> like, I get that this guy is all patriotic or whatever, but the Earth Kingdom is so big you can't walk across it. it, it you can't do that without a mount, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, it matters yeah. to him, so that's where we're at. <laughs> just let it be two kingdoms. It would be probably better for the both of them, because they'd be able to actively then the, like, then there would take be care the, of their own people. But then there would be the Five Nations. <laughs> but there's only four elements. There has to be four. Uh, water gets two. Yeah, but they're like, they're still part of the same. I guess they're not part of the same culture. <laughs> but they count them as one, for some reason. <laughs> it's because they're in the polls, I guess. I don't know. It, it, look, don't... Let's also not even get into the fact that technically uh, Zafu is an independent nation on his own because it's mostly metal vendors. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is technically still Earth vendors and still in the Earth Kingdom, but still. <laughs> it's independent. And also there's Republic City, which is its own different kind of worms. <laughs> mm-hmm. That doesn't exist yet. Not for like another 400 years. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, he basically just continues on saying that he's the real glue that holds the Earth Kingdom together at all since he's taken up basically all the Avatar's duties upon himself during the long absence without... Why did I write the long absence without one? The long absence that has happened without having one. I don't know. My breathing there seemed weird. (laughs) Uh, But he lacks sensation and nobility, so he basically has to do so via personal ties to people. Kiyoshi at this point notes that he doesn't at least sound proud of this. Like, it's like, okay, like, most people would, like, be pretty thrilled about the station that they have, but he just kind of sounds just tired of this, really. <laughs> Doesn't excuse all the bullshit he's doing, really, but still. I mean, he's clearly manipulating her. <laughs> yeah, in a sense, yeah. But it's like, <sighs> he, still, he still does seem like he cares, he's just going about it really wrong, his thing. <laughs> we'll see, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like on some level... As much as this is true, it's also performative tiredness, so she will trust him more. I I guess. I think he is thrilled to be in the spot that he's at. Like, you don't have your own color of green that you insist people wear if you're not proud of your thing. Well, again, time will tell. I'm, like, pretty sure, actually, just based on what we've heard of, like, this guy's probably going to be the villain, maybe. (laughs) I'd imagine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, basically, Jiu continues on saying that every local governor and magistrate around knows him in some way. It's like, 
he basically just helps them out with like famines and stuff. Uh, he basically knows every single bending teacher and their most founding students worldwide, which is insane. <laughs> uh, and also now, like because of that, like any master in the world would answer if he called for them. So it's like, yeah, this guy seems like he's kind of just doing a bit of a dictatorship across the globe at this point. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically, at this point, it's like, even Kyoshi knows that his friendship is just so well known that it's more valuable than gold. Just anybody would value that more than just cash. Uh, he thinks she wouldn't know any of this since she's never been outside of Ikoya, but she actually is aware, but saying so would have to mean discussing her parents, so she keeps her silence because Kyoshi hates her parents because they suck. <laughs> yeah, but also she uses an expression here, opening a different box of vipers altogether. Yeah. I mean, it's and like. I just, like. Viper bats? <laughs> oh, Bug yeah, vipers? yeah. Wait, yeah. Every animal except one bear <laughs> that we know of has always been a hybrid animal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what kind of vipers do you see? <laughs> hmm. I don't think they would have that same expression as us. Unless for nope. some reason they also just have regular-ass snakes for some reason. <laughs> Oh, like that's, that be fun? that's the only the only non hybrid animals in the entire of this world's history. One bear and snakes. <laughs> 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 Nothing else is out there crossbreeding, I guess. Uh hmm. yeah. But yeah. Junju concludes with asking if there's anything she wants to tell him about all what she did at the iceberg, given that this entire state of affairs can fall apart without personal loyalty. But she continues to stick with her story that she does summon more power in a desperate need for it, since she's too afraid to tell him, yeah, you fucked up and everything you built over decades will crumble. Oopsie. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> kind of on you, my guy. Not my problem. Sorry. Skill uh, issue. <laughs> get good, Yanju. You just gotta learn how to, just gotta learn how to dodge roll through these attacks. You don't need a shield. Just dodge. Just don't get hit. It's easy. You don't need healing items. Just use all magic. And just roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's Janju's build in Dark Souls? Is it like the terrifying one that we saw Ellen Musk post a picture of? <laughs> oh wait, that was Elden Ring. Right. <laughs> we had like four weapons on his thing, and his build was just all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he seemingly at least relents at this point, and he says, "Well, the Delphi are only really a symptom of a system that." Thinks he can defy an avatar legitimately. Again, being very passive aggressive, being like, you know, as long as we believe that we have the right avatar, it's not a problem, right, Kyoshi? It's like, uh huh, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they basically both agree that Kurok really should have been handling the Dalfei while he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, pity he didn't deal with that, now we're dealing with it. Shit. Shanju, uh, at least at this point, blames himself for Kurok's demise since he, you know, bears having influenced how he acted. Having not taught him to be wise, so they all get to pay the price because of that. Nah. He only taught him how to murder. Some... Yeah, he taught him bad yeah. stuff and not anything good. <laughs> Along with everybody else. Uh, he then at least now takes his leave and tells her where to find Yun and Kel's song. So she stops by the Avatar's room first, where he's relaxing his arm in the steaming hot bath, because the healers think he has frostbite, just due to it still being stained black from the ink from when he turned his lab into a glove. I definitely misread this the first time and thought that he was just singing his bath naked. <laughs> I don't think... I feel like Rangi wouldn't be looking at him if that was the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <sighs> yep. <laughs> not that... Well, no, because Rangi's a lesbian, right? Rangi, Rangi's is gay, she's not bi? That is my understanding, but I don't think 
like we're not going to hear those specific words in the books so yeah i i kind of feel like even if they do at least like have a queer romance in this which i'm pretty sure they do based on what i've heard it's like i would imagine because it's nickelodeon they still say you can't say bisexual <laughs> yeah no we're, we're not going to hear the words bisexual or lesbian in either book it's just not in there mm. the um, like we'll see the relationships portrayed but they can't say they're girlfriends you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it is weird because like the cora book the cora graphic novels came out before this and like cora refers to Rosami as her girlfriend in those I, no, I mean, it's the same book. thing that happened in uh, Nimona, right? Like, we had a full on-screen kiss between two men, and they still can't say they're boyfriends. Oh, yeah, I guess you're... Yeah, you're right about that. Why the... Yeah, I guess I don't know why they would have that in the Korra graphic novel, which you feel like more people would read rather than the Kiyoshi novel, but they can't say it in this. <laughs> it's it's weird. Nickelodeon, but you suck. Also, Netflix, but you suck. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. In any case, uh, Kyoshi can see that clearly he and Rangi's minds are elsewhere, as Yoon said that Kelsang is asleep so they should keep their voices down, but that they also lost a lot of the guards that, uh, Takaka, god, I'm also, I'm also now almost fucking up her name. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I mean, she's seemingly not in the story at this point. I don't know if she's gonna come back or not. I imagine she might, because I think this would be too quickly to just be done with her, but it's like, well, she's not here anymore, so we may not have to talk about her much. But yeah. Her hidden waterbenders dropped a night of the lunch onto those people, so rip. Also skill issue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Rangi and Heiron freed Yuen, and the three of them knocked the Gaka out. Again, we don't get to see that, because Gyoshi passed out. Uh, as the <laughs> Fifth Nation's forces flood at the side of their leader be defeated, and also their ship's getting fucked up. Well, yeah. Yeah, turns out at that point it's like, yeah, we should probably cover our losses. Tagaka uh, is mean, cur- You know, just... Ballistae shooting up from the bottom of the ocean yeah, to you smash know. your ships to pieces. Maybe run. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like, oh, this person is just literally impaling our ships with giant spikes from the ocean floor. Yeah, maybe we should get the fuck out. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, just thinking. <laughs> just put that out there. Uh, Takaka is currently in an Earth Kingdom caravan headed for Lake Laogai, and of course, Yoon has no idea that there's a torture mind control prison under there. Uh, to be fair, there's not yet. Oh, there isn't? I'm no, thinking... Kiyoshi specifically is the one who starts the... the oh, the Kiyoshi, no! <laughs> Why? Wait, does that mean well, that she... Does she also start the fucking secret police in the Earth Kingdom, then? Uh, yeah, the, the, the no! diary, that's her. <laughs> Kiyoshi, you're cancelled now, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, is that they're basically, like, a private army that she creates uh... to help her keep order in the country because everything is falling apart constantly. And then they just become cops over time. And then they just become cops over uh, time. <laughs> I guess at least she didn't make them cops at the start. But still, it's like, don't make the mind, co- don't make the mind control torture prison, Kyoshi! That's bad! <laughs> I will give her this much. It was not a mind control torture prison when she died. It was just okay, cops. Okay, but, still, I guess. But it's like, okay, so if the prison's not there, though, why would they be bringing her to Lake Laogai? She's a waterbender. You can bring well, that Lake up. Lake yeah, it is. There is a prison at Lake Laogai. It's just not like okay. It's it's just visible a CIA there. black site. <laughs> okay, it's not like it's like hidden under the actual lake itself, and it's like here's the the torture mind control prison. It's just that there's a regular prison there. Right. Okay. Still, it might still be under the ocean, but I don't know about that. Still, like again, Yun brings up a good point. Maybe don't put her near water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put her in a different prison. <laughs> that would be a good idea, probably. Yeah. 
I mean, that's what they do with, like, the Red Lotus guys. They intentionally have prisons designed for them nowhere near their native elements. <laughs> so they can't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a book three thing. That's actually... The Red Lotus are probably the coolest villains that all of Korra actually has. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Uh, where the fuck did I leave off? Uh... Yeah, uh, he continues saying that the Fifth Nation is entirely no more since their ships have been damaged beyond repair with how little access to wood they have. Again, the whole reason why they wanted a port and lumber it all. And that they <laughs> also had the Fire Navy mounting a rescue on the captives because uh, Heyron basically pulled a bunch of strings to get them to help out with this. And also they basically like captured the pirate and forced them to talk about where the captives are. <laughs> <laughs> Kiyoshi finally realizes that Yun's basically just been giving her answers but not really having any emotion to it at all. And so she basically tries to deflect this whole situation by putting this victory entirely in his lap, just making it seem like it's like, she uses exactly the same phrase that, uh, spoilers, I'm pretty sure it was Kuro talking to her about how people will talk about this for years to come, but she basically mm -hmm. tries to put that rephrased as a thing that they'll talk about about Yoon. But Rangi finally speaks up telling her that they know what she and Kelsang were hiding from them and that things are never going to be the same. Hooray! Yay! Yay! This is all going to hell immediately. <laughs> I'm glad the misunderstanding and lying plot got out of the way real quick because yeah. that is my least favorite part of the Yeah, Japanese yeah. That, that's one of those things that would be annoying if they were trying to hide that for so long. And also, mm -hmm. it's like because it would it would feel really bad if Kyoshi was basically just leading them along for so long, especially with like, oh yeah, no, it's definitely Avatar Yoon, everybody just don't pay attention to what I did. <laughs> that's definitely not an Avatar thing, that's definitely not me accidentally maybe possibly likely entering the Avatar state, don't worry about it. <laughs> I mean, she didn't. She's just super good at earthbending, don't worry about it. Exactly, yeah. You know, eventually, eventually Yoon will uh, figure this stuff out, and then he'll do the Avatar state stuff that she definitely didn't do on the iceberg. Don't worry about it, it's fine. Uh, it's just, like, he's super good at earthbending, right? He's the, yeah. he's the delicate control guy. He's the, he's the one you want doing any kind of small detail work. He's your rogue, and she's your barbarian. Exactly, it's, it's fine. yeah. Like, that's why he has the glove. He, he can use the, he can use a fist weapon as a finesse weapon. That's why he can get a sink attack. He doesn't need yeah. a big rock when he can just do that and get all that dice. Yeah, she's not the Avatar. She's just a barbarian. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Rangi continues to accuse Kyoshi of having fun keeping this all from them and that their lives have all been a lie because the entire world can fall apart with these revelations. Hooray! Uh, Kyoshi just can't respond to her accusations, but while she expects Rangi to basically hit her, because, like, at this point, she's, like, actually, like, tapping her on the chest a lot, and, like, her hand is, uh, heating up and everything. So, like, <laughs> she, she, she even envisions, like, oh, if only she could just, like, fucking punch me and punch a hole in, the, uh, in my heart. Please do it, please. <laughs> like, definitely not, definitely not in the gateway, though. <laughs> oh, no, of course not. Why would it be that? But yeah, uh, a cute girl doesn't like me. Guess I'll just die. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, she basically just expects Rangi to hit her, but she doesn't because Rangi once again realizes that she's technically the running avatar, much like when she threw a pillow at the person they thought held that position a few days ago. <laughs> Even though she doesn't like actually want to acknowledge it herself, she's like, "Shit, right?" But Kyoshi might be the avatar, and I really shouldn't threaten her accidentally <laughs> or directly. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> the problem with polyamory is that sometimes two people are dating one person and break up at the same time, and then they're not dating each other, and so it's just weird and uncomfortable in the room. 
uh, I don't want to say I'll just take your word for it because that implies that like you might have had the situation go bad, but also I have no, no, no I have like no basis for probably Amory myself, so I can't speak for that. <laughs> Again, no relationship, period. So it's like, well, it'd be weird if I was like, oh, I've never been in any sort of relationship like that, but I know about probably Amory. He's like, mm, not really. <laughs> no, I've never been in that specific situation, but just from some of the interactions that I've had with my metamors, I can imagine how weird it would be if like we had to be in a situation like that yeah like if it was a case of like oh you all had a place together and then like one pair of like broke up but you're still mm -hmm. like you're each individually also dating the other person or something that's gotta well, be no i'm i mean yes that would probably be weird but what i'm talking about specifically is that like yoon and rongi both just broke up with kiyoshi at the same time <laughs> and so even though they're not dating each other it's like oh this is so weird to be in a room together <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah. I, I was misinterpreting that, I guess, where it's like both of them were like, well, we're not together because you're a lesbian and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, I mean, are we even like, we were just metamors a second ago and now we're not, and how do we... <laughs> like, really, at this point, we're just kind of co-workers, maybe not even <laughs> I was raised to, like, protect you my whole life. I don't... How do we deal with this? <laughs> I had to protect her instead, even though I just broke up with her. That's gonna be really fucking awkward. And also, Do you like, think you could use what's left of your influence to like transfer me to a different post, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> also, do you do you get to stay here too? Like, what happens to you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah. In any case, uh, we've been fucking around for long enough. This episode's long enough, anyway. Uh, Rocky and you at this point both just leave instead of saying anything else. So, Kiyoshi eventually manages to drag herself over to see Kelsong, who's been... I don't know if this is an actual remedy, but she says that he has like a half-eaten bowl of seaweed soup there, which is to help with blood loss. I don't know if that's actually a thing in real life. I'm curious. Um, I mean, not that I know of, but hypothetically eating high iron foods should help you regenerate blood, because that's one of the main ingredients, so... Oh, no, uh, this is actually apparently a thing. Seven soups to replenish and rejuvenate the postpartum body. I mean, that's for pregnancy stuff, but still, at least similar thinking. But they do list fortified seaweed soup as number one. Hmm. I feel like Kelsong probably did not just have a baby, but if no, he did, what a but, twist. <laughs> well, they, they say this resting period is dedicated to give new moms an opportunity to recover from general stressors without the overwhelming presence of visitors. So it might just be, like, in general, like, the fact that he's just really kind of, like, weak and fucked up from the mm -hmm. blood loss that it's helping out with this. But yeah, it, it at least does have medical, you know, inspiration. It's not just a thing that they just made up for this fantasy world. I will say, though, it says that he's so pale from the blood loss that his tattoos are less blue, and that's not how that works. <laughs> no, no, it's really not. <laughs> My tattoo still is, like, black as it was ever since I got it two years ago. It's not faded or anything, because it's under the skin. That's not how skin works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mine have faded a little bit, but that's just going to happen when you have color, so it's like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd imagine it gets a little bit different when it's a color tattoo compared to a black one, but still... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're not going to fade away to nothingness at all. Mm -hmm. They're just not as vibrant as they used to be, that's all. Yeah. They're certainly not going to be less red if I lose a lot of blood. <laughs> like, what happens if you accidentally cut yourself and, like, everything looks fine except Flapjack on you is just, like, hollowed out? <laughs> it's just an outline of him, like, all the blood came from him or something. Terrible. I hate to think about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's bad. 
<laughs> like, like, oh no, I bled all of Slapjack's color? <laughs> that, that, I probably want to go to the doctor about that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Kelzong apologizes for having told them all the truth. Again, to Kyoshi's detriment, because obviously they know. But he explains it away as it's a simple fact that Yun's claim to being the Avatar isn't stronger than her own now after what she did. Because she, like, you know... I don't know how far away 200 paces is that they described from, like, the, where they were on the iceberg to the ocean floor, but it's, like, I think, um, I mean, I would imagine that's, like, close to 200 feet, because I feel like people usually measure, like, about, like, a foot long is your foot, and they're saying paces, so I think it's, like, uh, that well, far away. Well, pace is the breadth of your step, and I believe the average for that is about three feet. Okay, so, like, yeah, like, something like 500 feet minimum from where they were to the ocean floor. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's see. Uh, pace is a unit of length, blah, 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 1.5 meters or 60 inches. So let me pull out the calculator. Well, 60 inches is yeah, 60 feet, inches right? times 200 equals divided by 12. Uh, that's about 1,000 feet. Yeah, okay, yeah. You know, you know, if you see, if you know somebody does that and like uh, this other guy's been having trouble with any other kind of bending, I think you might kind of figure things out. <laughs> Even if nobody tells you directly, like, yeah, I think we've had the wrong person for years. I mean, strong benders exist. We just saw Kelsong and Zhu and Heiran basically take out yeah, a pirate but, fleet on their own. But they're also, like, all in their, like, 40s or 50s. Kyoshi's 16. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they've said that Yoon is, like, the same age and is a pretty good earthbender, but he's also not been able to figure anything else out. And also, he's done nothing nearly to this catastrophic scale of causing tidal waves and skewering ships with the ocean floor. <laughs> Well, no, but I mean, he he wasn't described as a pretty good earthbender. He was described as one of the best, which is very impressive for a 16-year-old. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but still, the point still remains. Kyoshi's, uh, you know, cred, uh, what's it called? Her claim is stronger than his at this point, based on what she did, because it was more nah. impressive than him. <laughs> But yeah, uh, she apparently slept for three days, and he thought that her spirit had departed her body, so there was really just no way to continue pretending at this point, because I guess only avatars can actually, like, have their spirit- No, wait. Right, because, like, I'm thinking, like, other people that in the spirit world, no, they can't actually really get their spirits back, it's usually the avatar that has to help guide them back, I think. So like only, like that, it's like really only, like, the avatar can come and go from the spirit world if they don't have a portal, basically. I think that's what he's implying here. Uh, yeah. But she basically just snaps at him when he says this, accusing him of not wanting to have waited any longer to have basically direct access to an avatar who relied upon him more than Jianju, since he lost his chance with Yun, because for no reason of his own, Yun's just not actually been able to focus on any bending, so they want to keep him one at a time, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she basically just thinks that all she is to him is a do-over, and oh boy, oh no, Kyoshi, it's gonna be so sad when your adopted dad dies in like a few chapters, probably, because he's, <laughs> meant, he's the old mentor figure, and that's his role in the story, and you don't actually get a chance to apologize to him before then, oh no. Uh, <laughs> but he just realized that the time when any of them could have what they actually really wanted had passed years ago, and oops, bummer chapter, then done. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Mine's so much shorter, unfortunately, because it's nine pages compared to, like, 35. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. would be sometimes. <laughs> well, I really hope we have something better for you next week. 
<laughs> because as much as I enjoy that last chapter that you did, it's it's not a lot. No, it's it's really just the immediate fallout of what just happened. And again, it's like it's three days later minimum because <laughs> Kyoshi just <laughs> is sleeping. It's like you think she'd be like God, I'm fucking starving, but no, apparently not. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I guess we'll see where things continue to spiral out of control next time. Yeah, I dig it. This was good. I loved this. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we, are, you know, we, we are officially past where I remember reading, I think. Because <laughs> I distinctly remember the iceberg stuff. I remember that because I was like, oh yeah, this is when Kyoshi's clearly like doing Avatar State stuff, I think. But like, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember if I read this the follow-up chapter right after that. I don't know. I don't remember. Interesting. Yeah. But I, th yeah. I, I think we are entering uh, territory that I have no familiarity with. It's very, like... I feel like in my chapter this week, I covered about half of an Animorphs book of worth of events. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, you ha you did, basically. <laughs> I mean, like, the average, like, Animorphs book is, like, 24 chapters, each chapter being, like, two pages. Well, I, I think they're usually about 100 pages each, so... But still, like, yeah, like, you still covered, like, a third of one of those <laughs> in that one chapter alone. Like, obviously, yeah. obviously, it would be, like, we could probably actually, like, describe an entire Animorphs book a lot faster than if we're going chapter by chapter, if we're just doing the entire book. But it's, like... Well, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, that'd be way more reading, and also we couldn't cover the finer points compared to this. Yeah. No, I mean, I... I... There was a time that I was advocating for doing a book every week, and I'm glad you talked me down, because it's more interesting to get into the nitty-gritty. Yeah. But yeah, no, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is just so much happened in my chapter, and it was a blast to do, mm -hmm. but jeez Louise, we're covering ground, huh? <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, we're already, like, what, a quarter of the way through the book, actually? <laughs> uh, yeah, because uh, at the... In the PDF, at least, I am on chapter... We just finished page 109 out of 411, so that's almost exactly a quarter of the way through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, <laughs> making good progress in just after four weeks. So, I guess... Yeah. We'll probably only have, what, like two more months of the book, actually, you know, I think about it. And... Something like that? If we're a quarter of the way through after four weeks, it's probably going to take us another eight to finish. No, another 12 to finish. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. A quarter, not third, yeah. Yeah, unless we pick up the pace, which I don't think we reasonably can, considering the possibility that there may be more like that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, good time. I love the big fight. The big fight was great. That was... Maybe, I don't know if I did the best job describing it, but it was just so dynamic. It was... I feel like that was a better fight than anything that was portrayed in the show. Yeah, I, I mean... Hmm. I guess, yeah, because, like, I mean, when I'm thinking of, like, the other, like, big dynamic fights, it's really mostly just, like, kind of a one-on-one -on -one affair, obviously, because they're also, like, we have just this much budget, we can't have multiple people here, besides yeah. just two people. And also, it's, like, for the most part, it's really just, like, chuck this element at you, throw this other element at you, mm -hmm. maybe breathe fire, hit you with some wind, and that's it, <laughs> really. <laughs> Yeah, it's not waterbenders surfing around and trying to hit people with swords while the yeah. guy creates architectural creations in the sky while mm -hmm. rocks are flying like, up from the seabed. Well, the, it, it's the, so much. The closest I could possibly think is like the book three finale of Korra, because that has a fight near the end. But it's really more just like the feralness that Korra has on display during that for reasons mm -hmm. I won't spoil. 
it is Fair still enough. just a, it is still just mostly a one on one fight. Like other people get involved near the end, but it's like for the most part, it is still just one per like her versus somebody else. But it's like it's again like just like the circumstances that I put her in that situation that then lead to her situation in book four, <laughs> <laughs> which is like, oh hey, you want to talk about PTSD for an entire book? Yay! Hey! <laughs> Yay! At least they did. <laughs> At least it's not just a thing she gets over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that was great i really enjoyed this week's chapters i'm looking forward to what's coming next because we're gonna start getting into wild stuff from here i'd imagine yeah like now now that like the cat's out of the bag i'd imagine shit's gonna go crazy yeah you haven't read the rest of this book so you don't know really what's coming right mm-hmm. uh this is oh it's so good ah I don't want to... Uh, we should probably move on so I don't say anything I shouldn't. Yeah, um, it's, like, it's like me having to be like, I can't spoil things about Korra if we want to actually get there at some point. <laughs> because it's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, there's a lot of bad in Korra, but there's also some stuff that's really good. <laughs> uh, Alright. Then in that case, I'd say it's about time we move to our questions. So, if you have questions for us, you can send them to us at usweirdoscast2 on Twitter or on at usweirdos at cohost. Or, of course, uh, usweirdoscast at gmail.com. That email address, which I don't think we've checked in months. I, I um, do check it. It got some spam recently. Hooray! Yeah, so oh, I, hey. have it on, I have it on my phone, but there's no emails in there for us, actually. Uh, but I should also add that uh, thanks to friend of the site, M, whose question we'll be getting to, we also have a Blue Sky account now. I posted oh. twice there. I don't really get Blue Sky. <laughs> but... Uh, I don't think most people do, but no, I appreciate I feel, it anyway. Yeah, I feel like most people are like, yeah, I made this because whatever. It's, it basically looks like a reskin of Twitter in a lot of ways, but uh, you can find us there. God, I fucking hate the way that they do their like links to that. Uh, we are at usweirdoscast.bsky.social. I'm pretty sure that .bsky.social is just something every account has. I think it's just that first part. But yeah, just search usweirdoscast there. You'll find us. Hmm. I, made... I don't love that. That's not the best No, it, do- it doesn't roll off the tongue very well, and I feel like that's, like, the biggest thing with, like, obviously, it was from, like, some other critiques of Blue Sky. It's, like, they really don't have an easy way to, like, link you to where your profile is. Hmm. It's well, weird. that's not fun. Yeah. But we have it, just in case, again. <laughs> Okay, well, that is a lot of places to check for questions, and I have not seen most of them, but I do see questions we on, on Twitter. We only, had so. one on, we only had one on Twitter, I checked, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, questions from M. Healy, at M. of Healy on Twitter. What's the coolest thing you've ever done? I mean, besides, <laughs> besides boobs? Uh, <laughs> I was thinking of this because I was like, I just don't want to answer with just that, but, like, honestly, I would maybe say, actually, like, going and actually, like, making proper friends for once back when I was in high school, because I don't think yeah. I would have really been able to, like, transition without close friends like them. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was, like, just one of those cases where it's, like, I had nothing to do at, like, the local, like, nerdy club and everything, and I just saw a group playing D&D 3.5 back then, and I was curious about D&D, so I was like, hey, do you mind if I sit in and watch? And, uh, fast forward... 19 years later? <laughs> yeah, wait, yeah, because that was October 2004. Yeah, 19 years later, I'm still friends with, uh, like, the the GM and one of the other people. Well, actually, no, he wasn't part of the group that we were in. He joined us during the summer later on, but it's like, yeah, been friends with the GM in particular for all that time since. 
like nice. one of my best friends <laughs> in the world, one of the first people to find out that I was trans. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say having the courage to actually like go and meet people properly and actually have a proper friend for once. And that yeah, is I, a fantastic choice. Yeah, and again, wouldn't wouldn't nearly have gotten anywhere near close to where I am today without somebody like that. <laughs> the, I don't know. I don't. I do a lot of things, and I, I tend to throw them around kind of randomly. I've had a lot of life experiences, but it's hard for me to think of any of them as being cool, because it's just stuff that I do, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if I were going to put it into, like, practical terms, I think probably teaching myself how to do black market hormone therapy and <laughs> secretly starting to do that is like you know but that's like i don't think traditionally the definition of cool as much as it is recklessly idiotic with my personal health yeah like i mean i feel like most people like would think that like transition as a whole itself is more of a like brave thing than a cool thing because like i think it's really just because like again like especially yeah but that's why i did the crime version (laughs) fair I'm only mildly joking. It is not a crime to do homebrew hormone therapy. It's just not as Oh, safe. absolutely not. Especially in states that are trying to take away all your medication rights. Yeah. And if you ever want to chat about it with me, just hit me up on <laughs> Twitter at patch underscore jacket. I'm happy to talk to anybody. As long as you're not a cop. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta sneak that disclaimer in there before a cop tries to talk to you. Yeah, I'm not going to talk to a cop about how to do homebrew. Like, I I don't need to be the person who gets it banned, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. Beyond that, like, so much of the stuff I do have done, like, people tell me it's cool to play the bagpipes. I guess, sure, it's an instrument I play. I don't know if it's cool. I think a lot of people think bagpipes are probably not a good instrument, actually. Yeah, they kind of have, like, a stereotypical, like, rap to them of, like, oh, this is the annoying instrument or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. I think Why that's does mostly, the bagpiper I, always walk while he plays? I feel like that's mostly just because, like, cartoons, like Disney stuff in the 90s, for some reason. To get away from the noise. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, no, so, I don't know. Cool is a relative thing, and people have frequently told me that I am cool in the past, but it always feels so much like they are projecting onto me because I just don't talk. And that's weird to say in this medium, because all I do is talk here, but in real mm-hmm. life, I, I'm just quiet all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's again, one of those things where it's like, yeah, like, even just thinking, like, my experience at jobs, it's like, usually I am, like, the quiet one that just wants to hunker down and do my job and everything, and then, mm-hmm. you know, c- compared to, like, stuff like this, where it's like, yeah, we talk for, like, what, four hours each week or so between the shows we do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I am generally quiet and don't display my emotions, and therefore people think I am cool for whatever reason. So, I mean, yeah, you gotta be like there, like like uh, leaning against the wall with like sunglasses on, and if you don't say something, and it's like, or if you go like the person in like the corner of the pub or whatever with the hood on and nope, not talking to anybody, then obviously you're the cool, mysterious stranger. Well, I wouldn't wear a hood inside. Like that's just gonna. <laughs> I don't know, I, yes, I... I have cloaks. No, I do not wear the hoods <laughs> up inside. <laughs> I, I've had my hood drawn up at times at my old job because it was freezing all the fucking time. <laughs> so it's like yes, been... I have a leather jacket with the sleeves ripped off so you can see my buff arms. But <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, 
Yeah, you definitely don't have a quest for me if I go and talk to you when you're in the corner of the room. <laughs> I feel like I'm more likely to be a recruitable party member if I'm wearing the vest. <laughs> oh, okay, you're you're saying you're the shadow here. You you meet you you like you find you're in like the tavern, and for some reason they get you like choose your name there in the character selection screen, but you don't actually like, join <laughs> until like a few hours later when the party split. That makes sense, yeah. Oh, but that means you can also permanently die. That's a bummer. <laughs> and you gotta you gotta wait for you to get back on the floating constant before the world ruins stuff, or else you permanently die. But Oops, if among us cannot permanently die. <laughs> but if you do permanently die, you get a lot more backstory for other characters that are related to you. <laughs> so it's got a little bit of a trade-off, really. Of like, well, you let you let that character die or not. <laughs> obviously, on one hand, yeah. you don't have the character anymore, but on the other hand, you get way more backstory for them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to casually yeah. spoil Final Fantasy VI, I guess, but that's also the halfway point in that fucking game. <laughs> no, either way. Um, um, the other question we have from M this week: What's the coolest thing you wish you could do? Hey, besides, like superpower thing, like teleport, so you never have to deal with traffic again. Yeah. Uh, I've kind of always wanted to try to learn how to play the violin because I've never really like properly right. learned. I've never really, like really properly learned to play an instrument. Like I had to take like mandatory like like, musical instrument stuff in, like, the mm -hmm. end of, like, high school, uh, not high school, uh, the end of, like, elementary school, and, like, a little bit in early junior high, but not, like, right. really past that. Like, it was really more, like, at a certain point, it was, like, oh, this is just an elective, and it's, like, at a certain point, I just kind of got, an, like, disinterested in it. I mostly just did percussion and stuff, but it's, like, eh, I, I just didn't really have much of an interest in it. But, like, I don't know, for recent years, I've been, like, eh, it might be fun to, like, learn how to play the violin or something. That sounds rad. Interestingly enough, mine is also musical-based. Like, the thing is, is that I play a lot of instruments. Like, a bunch. <laughs> uh, it's just that I don't really... How do I put this? I can play them, right? But I've never, like, written anything. I can play sheet music. You put it in front of me, it's fine. But I've never really been able to make my own stuff. I just don't have that creative spark, I guess. And that's the thing that I wish I could do. I can write lyrics, sure. I, you know, I've got a, one of my minors is in poetry. Like, come on. But <laughs> the, the actual construction of a song and how it goes from being random noises and chords to a real song, that's what I would love to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah, like bagpipes and ukulele and piano and trumpets and a little bit of guitar and a little bit of accordion and okay how many of those can you play megalovania on <laughs> i don't even know that like i don't know what that is wait did you never it's play a word i've heard before. did you never play undertale nope what the fuck <laughs> so you don't know megalovania is in like the sands boss battle music if you go down the genocide route I have heard the word Megalovania. I have no context for it besides what you just said. Huh. Even though they put it in Smash? <laughs> yeah, I didn't play that much Smash. You did know Sans, at least, right? <laughs> I am familiar with okay. Sans, yes. I, I, I would have to hope that you knew, that being on the internet, you at least knew about Sans. <laughs> I yeah, never touched Undertale because it got so popular and overwhelmingly it really just felt for a while like it was basically meme generator the video game and so i just... oh it's def it's definitely not no but i can see yeah. where you come across with that just because it got so big yeah yeah so i kind of avoided it 
not because of anything about the game itself. I know nothing about the game. I just it was so much all over the place. I couldn't I couldn't make myself do it. it it's yeah. one of those ADHD things where everyone recommends it to you, so you put it on the list to touch ten years later. Yeah. I, I hey, you say that we're we're only two years off from that. <laughs> oh, red. God, I only just realized that. Yeah, uh, Undertale released in 2015, like December 2015. Fuck. How's that game already eight years old? <laughs> okay, cool. What the fuck? I'll move it slightly up the list then. <laughs> God. That game doesn't feel that old, but it, yeah. Because it, it, I played it when I still lived in Pennsylvania. That was before I moved down to North Carolina. So yeah, that checks out. That's so... Uh, that sucks with me now. <laughs> we should stop this. We should end this podcast because now my brain's Are we done? Okay. <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah, so if you have enjoyed having your brain messed up, uh, you can find me on Twitter at patch underscore jacket or co-host at nobody. I am also on several games through All on the Table, which is a TTRPG streaming service provided by The Transverse. We are still in the progress of moving to our new channels, so I don't know what those are, but for the moment, twitch.tv slash the transverse and the transverse page on YouTube are the places to find me. It's a good time. I just ran a one-shot a couple of weeks ago for uh, Idol on Second Edition, where my players were librarians who had to stop people from stealing the, the card catalog of all reality. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like that belongs as like a like side story of Unsleeping City or something like that. <laughs> you know, like how Sinatra's Law was actually a very important thing in that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I still continue for some reason to be on the Bad Bird site. Uh, still at. Uh, what the fuck? Can I put her handle again? <laughs> uh, the underscore Oblivion. Mostly, mostly been more on co host at just Oblivion there because co host is better. It's got Big Bug. Big Bug is good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the bird, the bird side doesn't have something like that anymore, so uh, I think co-host just wins by default there, because Egg Mug is good. And nobody likes that gross axe. <laughs> I think we need more Egg Bug. I haven't seen enough Egg Bug floating around on co-host lately. Yeah, just the, call the, for more Egg Bug. The, the, the secretary Egg Bug meme trend seemed like it died out pretty quickly, unfortunately. Mm. Well, not even just secretary. We haven't seen enough Egg Bug in general. I want, like, oh, one wait, in every five posts to be an Egg Bug. Did you not see Dino Egg Bug? Or Dino it Bug hasn't come work? up on my feed, no. Oh, I need to, I need to find Dino Bug and show you now. Okay, that'll work. But yeah, no, I just want the place to be suffused with it. Everyone loves Egg Bug. Egg Bug should be all over the place. Ah, there it is. Hmm. Yeah, somebody asking which came first, Chicken Bug or the Egg Bug. And then, <laughs> and then the people were like, the, the Dino Bug. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, here it is. Hang on. Uh... There we go. <laughs> it's, it's just egg bug, but with a little stretchy neck and the face scooped up. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> also, you you could just follow the egg bug fan art. Uh, hashtag, I guess. I suppose that would work. Yeah, that it would looks, actually solve a lot of my problems. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it looks like Dino Bug is the most recent one. <laughs> Ooh. More bucks, more bucks, more bucks. At least according to the egg... Well, if you, that's the egg bug fan art hashtag. What about just egg bug? <laughs> uh, no, this is mostly people just talking about egg bug in general, not actually posting egg bugs. <laughs> so, yeah, best bet is probably the egg bug fan art one. All right. Well, um, 
I think at this point it's probably time for us to shut down because we're at two and a half hours. So oh yeah, that's <laughs> the longest one we've had for a while. Um, yeah, we haven't broken <sighs> usually like past two hours in a long time. Yeah, because like I think uh, yeah. I think the longest one recently was like the Nimona one because that one yep, we because that was three. Yeah. But yeah, so for the meantime, I think there's not much left to say. But remember, us weirdos have, have to strike, strike together. together. Bye. Bye. Bye.